The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can also find me at CBCaps on Instagram. And the sound effects and voice you just heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn represents BK to the fullest. Uh, one agent underscore 70. What's up, everybody? We're Brooklyn at! We're Brooklyn at! We're Brooklyn at! And as an extra shot... No! All day, every day. Exactly. Actually, let me do this. Maybe this will work. Um... There we go. I don't know if that actually worked or not. Anyway. podcasting, everybody. Yeah, no. Uh, no, it don't look like it did. Son of a biscuit. So, we're just going to continue. Um, yes, so you can find this here podcast on the Coast of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find this here podcast on your podcast browser place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or the Coastless of Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. And yes, folks, we are back. We are here. And oh, I know something else I forgot to do, but that's fine. We're going to do this on the fly, too. Ha ha. Everything on the fly, folks. Um, boy, if y'all heard the, the, the rough cut of the last week's episode, I think it was. Or week four last when we had all the issues that, that the audio version didn't hear. It's, it's fun times. Unless you watch the video version, but it's fun. Which, by the way, the video version, you can see uh, we can, us record every Thursday night, uh, 9.30-ish p.m. on the Coastal Podcast Networks. Uh, I'm not. No, no, that's not true either. Uh, on the Click Nation's YouTube channel, not Coastal Lizard's channel, because that's a whole separate thing. There it is. Uh, yeah, you know, do feel free to join us. Sometimes it's cool. Sometimes we have a lot of issues, but we get through it some kind of way. Uh, just like the Avengers. Uh, so, yeah, we, we got a whole bunch of new releases this week, and we are going to start off with X-Men number 11. Right. For multiple reasons this week, because uh, this issue seems to have a, a twofold purpose, because the cover actually has... Uh, a, a small banner at the bottom left corner that says uh, Path to Ten of Swords on it, but at the same time also is an Empire tie-in because there's an Empire banner at the top of the book as well, like a small uh, logo. So it's 
as we were actually discussing just before the show, a book that has uh, a dual purpose. So one one such purpose is to help lead into uh, the Ten of Swords crossover, which is coming up very, very soon. In fact, uh, the story opens with some of the younger uh, members, the, some of the younger uh, citizens of Krakoa running into a creepy guy from Arako, uh, a.k.a. the twin of Krakoa. And I know that Roddy Cat had something specific to say about the creepy guy from Arako. Oh, yeah. So I got him a note. Basically, it's like, uh, what he doesn't he remind you of someone from another Hickman run uh, series from a couple of years ago? A little bit. A little bit. I mean, part of it is the the Lane Elf Francis Yu art. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but I definitely think that uh, this character is reminiscent of some some somebody from that run. Whose name I can't, because this is a specific dude with the horns, and I can't remember his name uh, otherwise, and I should have looked it up. Oh, you mean with the guy with, like, the alternating horns? I believe so, yeah. Big muscular guy, though. This is, like, a really skinny... True, you but know. I mean, because it's like, it's like a kid version of, of, of that dude without the horns. Right. I understand, I understand. They but actually yeah. did a Marvel Legends of that guy. I have it. Oh, did? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know they made a, a Legends of that dude. I guess it makes sense. Yeah, just that one guy. Right, just that one guy. It was a very kind of weird inclusion. But anyway, yeah. Uh, in addition to this lead into Ten of Swords, we also get, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the uh, X-Men and, and Krakoa dealing with uh, an incursion from the Kotati because <laughs> of the events of the last several issues. I see what you did there. Oh, yeah, incursion, of course. <laughs> Words matter, folks. We make our word choices count around here. Indeed, indeed. Um, by the way, well, we've already said that. Like, if you hadn't watched, uh, if you hadn't read uh, Hickman's run of Avengers from a couple of years back, that was leading to um, like Infinity and Secret Wars. You should, or from a few years back, that you should. It's really good. Um, right. But it feels like it was yesterday, folks. That's why we're having trouble. I know, you right? know, with time or a sense of time there. Yeah, yeah. Time is time is a thing. Um, but yeah, so it's what was it that Stone Temple Pilot song? Time to take. <laughs> I have no idea why that popped into my head as long as soon as you said that. I was like, oh my goodness. I was going Anyways. another way with it, but that still, but that works fine. That works great. That works absolutely great. But yeah, so the fact that this says uh, Path of the Ten of Swords, X of Swords, on here, and that whole Oracle bit is one thing, but the rest of the whole story is pretty much empire all empire all the time because it deals with, uh, basically it deals with from, was that, I guess that was last issue when this happened, huh? When they, uh, the Kotati tried to, uh, stage, stage, uh, you know, stage themselves from the moon. And, right. Uh, and then, and then they got wind of, uh, Krakoa and which led into this, which we knew it was. So that's, that's not a, not a surprise. Uh, but this is when the Kotati tried to basically uh, invade uh, Krakoa, uh, and the X Men and the the Krakoans are ready for them because they've been attacked like what two 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 other two three times already. So right. they pretty much got their stuff down at this point. Matter of fact, I think even Magic <laughs> even says like, "Yeah, he did, he did say this, but we're getting good at this." Mm-hmm. So uh, and it does help to have some of the biggest guns in the Marvel universe you know, at your disposal, because who do they deploy? Magneto. Absolutely. And actually, and going on back to, so this is cool, because it's like, yeah, the whole thing is framed 
so we're cutting from the rack ourselves, which I thought was a weird cut because it was like, it, then it just goes into the story about, um, um, wait, who was telling the story? Exodus. Exodus, thank you. Um, who was telling the story to some kids who weren't there when all of this happened, but he was basically recounting what happened to, to the kids, you know, uh, Krikorian folklore, but exactly, you know, things actually real happened. Uh, so we get into the story and Magneto comes into play and we see him don his old, uh, so here's what, what I have in my notes. Um, 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 so, so there's a couple of things. It's like, they were talking about, there was a page that was talking about conjoined powers and I was like, well, okay, I know this stuff got mentioned in Hoxpox because of the future stuff. So I wonder where, th- if this is where that starts up. So that's one thing. Two, also, it, it seems like the X-Men have been playing uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance because I do love the way they kind of set up, you know, uh, the, as I said, the conjoined power, the, the combo power usage in this issue with uh, Magneto and Iceman and, and Magma. Mm-hmm. Uh, that thing was pretty cool. But the thing that I was going to talk about was the whole um, costume change thing. Because Magneto was like, oh. yeah, I'll even I even dress for the part. But I was thinking, like, you would think that the black suit would have been more appropriate than the old, hey, I used, I'm evil suit. Or, excuse me, the classically I'm evil suit. Mm-hmm. In this case. But I guess to the Katati, he's like, well, they are the enemy. So, I don't know. I, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, you know, but I, that was just something I noticed. Because you could see at the beginning of the book, he had helmets for all three suits. So, you know, he had all yep. three suits just laid out there. Um, but yeah, outside of that, like, like I thought the whole thing kind of came together pretty cool with, uh, like I said, them using their combined powers and, um, you know, dealing with the Kotati, you know, and also some, uh, satellites that may have been, um, <laughs> that may have been, uh, unknown quantities, supposedly unknown <laughs> quantities overhead. So it kind of killed right. a couple of books. Uh, I don't know if that's going to ever come back, but I, you know, who knows at this point, but the whole issue was a pretty good Magneto. Like I'm kind of surprised they didn't do this for giant size Magneto. I don't, I don't know what that story was, but if they had you, done, Oh, you they, didn't read it. Giant size no. Magneto was Magneto doing a favor for Emma Frost and going on an adventure and dealing with Namor. Right. Okay. But if they had did this uh, as opposed to that and kind of and, and kind of just kind of, you know, broke it out a little bit, but a bit more, that would still work. Because this feels like something that could have been in an annual, even though it was like mainline story because of what's going on in Empire or whatever the case may be. Um, it is also weird because of that. But that's, a, you know, that's a whole nother situation. But I enjoyed reading this book and, and it was pretty it was a pretty good read. Right. Uh, the only thing I would add is that uh, essentially this is uh, Magneto's exploits uh, turned into the stuff of legend by Exodus with some strong Fatal Attractions vibes. Go read it and learn something, ladies and gentlemen. This is a a storyline post Jim Lee on the X-Men. He's well into his time on... um, well into his time on uh, Wildcats and at Image when this story is out. But uh, definitely uh, you will recognize that story as a story in which, uh, where in which uh, Wolverine gets his adamantium uh, pulled out of his body by Magneto. 
So mm-hmm. Exodus was a member of uh, Magneto's acolytes back then. Go back and read your history, or at least your comic book history, ladies and gentlemen. Or, you know, the wiki's fine in certain cases, unless you just really, really want to read it. But sometimes, you know, that's that's probably a good enough read to, to actually, you know, go peep out on Marvel Unlimited or whatever the case may be. But that being the case, I think we've, sp- uh, we've spent enough time on that one. So we're going to go into the obvious uh, next step into this. Uh, Empire, wait a, what a, wait a, what a, what a, uh, Captain America number three, let's say. All right. Cap- Empire Captain America number three. This is the, uh, the final issue in this uh, spin-off miniseries. It's written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, who I learned this week because of his uh, guest appearance on uh, the Marvel pull list that he is actually still an active duty uh, member of the military. Okay, that explains that then. Or I guess I right. explain that. Not right, exactly to. helps. Right, exactly helps. You know, it helps with his his writing at least uh, in in this story. Although it seems that he has a penchant for a horror, and my understanding is that he's also written some Marvel zombie stuff. In any event, um, this story uh, follows up on Cap and um, the Kree Skrull uh, 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 group that he is helping, that he's working with. Um, and uh, and American forces, they are relocating to Mexico City because it seems that there is a paramount threat there. And um, the Cotati seem to be targeting a fault line that would uh, cause lots of natural destruction uh, should they um, should they tamper with it or, or tap into it uh, in, in, in the form of um, seismic activity and earthquakes and, and and what so that's where we find ourselves at the beginning of the story and uh roddy cat has a nice little commentary uh that that uh takes us uh into the next step of the story indeed uh which says basically uh the battle of mexico city means a cap speech um and also yeah so we were talking about this before the show uh isn't this where the savage avengers tie-in took place and we come to find out that it absolutely was Right. Um, however, you know, it was kind of weird that, well, Venom and Conan, who were the crux of that, uh, that story are not in this because like, we're, we're assuming that that happened before this took place, even though the Katadi was pretty much still here in both, at both times. Right. So we're, we're just going on an assumption that that was probably a staging group that they, uh, that, um, that, uh, Conan and, and Venom took out, but you know, the Katata just happened to come back. Cause like I said, because they're weeds. So, you know, and just have to come back with something bigger and stronger. Although I want to say, uh, actually, I don't know. I would have to go back and see. I don't think there was any mention of that. Like, I wonder if it did, it did tie in, uh, and they were kind of setting stages of this because of the whole, um, uh, man of earth thing but i don't lost it yeah but i don't i don't remember and i don't think so so but it was just kind of weird it was like yeah well you would think you know those two people would have shown up given that this was still going on where they were mm-hmm. so that's all um but overall it was pretty good like i said you get a you get a good cap speech you know and and, and that's kind of what you want out of this one 
uh, as he rallies the troops and 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 they and saves the day. You know. Right. There's there's a couple of things I just wanted to add. Then um, one, Ariel Olivetti's art uh, is solid in this book. Definitely, definitely does a good job um, portraying all sorts of different uh, aliens and Kotati. So it's definitely well done. I would also add that I read somewhere that this might be the re, um, this might be the refreshing of the Howling Commandos concept, and they actually do say. Uh, you know, the American soldiers that Cap well, works with here actually do kind of, well, one of them gives a shout like, oh, well, we're the Howling Commandos. I'm like, oh, they might, you know, whoever uh, posited that theory theory might be right. Well, that dude's been doing that for the last couple of issues, though, because I went back and read the, couple of, the last couple of issues, and that that particular dude who's been saying that has kind of been holding. Oh, hell? Yeah, he's been saying that a couple of different times. Because as a matter of fact, when Cap first recruited them to go with him, he said that exact same thing. He was like, yeah, we're the Holly Commandos, because he's pretty much gung-ho about, you know, uh, working with Cap and all that. I thought, actually, he was going to buy it, because it was like, it seemed like the the, one, the most enthusiastic person, person um, you know, usually kind of gets it right up front, because that's usually the red shirt or something, but apparently this guy stuck around, so. <laughs> gotcha, 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 gotcha. Right, and we, uh, we end up this issue with... Uh, uh, basically a message being relayed to cap that something big is happening in wakanda and that's essentially where empire six is going to uh uh, kick off right which brings us to um the other book this week empire avengers number three uh which uh which is leads into empire number five well yeah exactly um uh but it's 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 we still as we said earlier before before the show like there's we believed they were trying to catch up with the tie-in books before six comes out which is probably why we haven't gotten six yet and i believe we we have uh, established that we're getting that next week um but it also seems like that might not necessarily be true because of other reasons or because of another reason but Hey, we're going to work out how regardless it's in the one way or another next week (laughs) i mean excuse me it's properly ending it's still got a couple of uh tie-in stuff uh at the back end of it that's gonna happen but, right i was about to say i think those are technically epilogues they are you know to story move to take the story forward so um but in terms of the crossover proper i think or, or the uh limited series proper it ends next week but uh back to um, empire avengers number three uh this is written by jim zub with art by carlos magno um we uh, are ta- you know we essentially get a little bit of a flashback sequence at the beginning of the issue because of what we left because of where we left off in the cliffhanger at the end of the last issue that is um, spoiler alert Kazar Kevin Plunder getting run through with the ebony blade uh-huh and I have. So I'm going to, we'll, we'll finish this out and I will tell you my one little slight issue with this. Okay. But uh, if you want to go ahead and continue. Sure. So ultimately, um, there are two aspects to this story. Um, the plant man aspect in uh, in Manhattan, in New York City, was never really, uh, never really played like a real threat, you know, and I hate to be... Uh, you know, to kind of poo-poo that. Yeah, but it's uh, true. And 
Exactly. Plant Man had decided that uh, the Kotati were um, the allies he had always been looking for to achieve plant supremacy. And um, a small team of Avengers uh, consisting of the Vision, Luke Cage, and an agent of Wakanda, um, Dr. Nemesis, uh, basically take on Plant Man and his uh, Kotati uh his small uh, cadre of uh, Kotati troops or his sprouts. But uh, we, uh, we again flash to another small group of Avengers consisting of Quicksilver, Wonder Man and Mockingbird trying to, to stop uh, a full out, a full on uh, uh, restarting of the Kree scroll war amongst the Kree scroll troops um, in, in the middle of Mexico. Which again, I mean, I know they're, they're probably weren't in Mexico City, but still, like, right. this whole cat thing was going on at the same time. Anyway, right. But the big story is in the caves beneath the Savage Land, or in the Savage Land, where uh, a group of Avengers, uh, including Black Knight, uh, 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 which was Scarlet Witch, uh, Doctor Voodoo. Yeah, exactly, Doctor Voodoo. And I think that's I that's think pretty that's, much uh, it. And, I mean, yeah. and, and uh, Kazar and Chana's son Matt, uh, right? Oh, but no, he wasn't. Yeah, because Matt thing. Well, yeah, but he was kind of on the other side of that for a minute. So, so uh, essentially, essentially, this issue is um, dealing with fallout of uh, Kazar uh, falling to the Ebony Blade and the emergency. Uh, procedures that the Avengers put into play to try to save his life before he's uh, he's permanently lost. Um, Man Thing is uh, essentially converted to the side of the angels or against back. the Kotati, yeah. and essentially the Kotati are held at bay until uh, the Avengers are successful in reviving uh, uh, what is it, Lord Kevin Plunder, right? Um, I believe yeah. is his title. That's uh, yeah, that sounds right. Right, and put and and and, and by putting uh, and, and the means by which they 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 save his life essentially puts him into further greater uh, connection with the Savage Land. If he wasn't already connected to the Savage Land enough, right? They basically did the same thing they did with Shauna, uh, who pretty much went. Uh, through a similar process, probably the same process, but not necessarily. I don't know. The the original story I'd never did go back and read her, but we already established last time we talked about this that you know that was from a, a relatively recent uh, Wolverine book. Right. Um, but and it wasn't most. It was pretty much Shauna was like, "I'm going to put 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 uh, put Kazar in this water for you know for this to happen." While the the adventurers were pretty much doing you know trying to uh, do whatever, whatever. So here's what you're in is no, what where I'm going to say. Don't. Don't discount. Hold the hold that thought. Don't discount the fact that it's the ebony blade and what you know technically. Right. I was know, getting it's that. like a soul catcher sword. Right. Yeah. Know, oh yeah. Yeah. Sword. yeah. 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 And yeah. The, the technical. That's the technical aspect of, uh, of of keeping his soul around while they heal his body. Which also, yeah, that part about the ebony blade doesn't really get get talked about. Now, I, I it almost felt like that's a new thing. Uh, it, it's not, but I'm just, it kind of felt like, cause you, really, you know, when was the last time we even talked about the Ebony Blade, much less, you know, Black Knight and, you know, in any context with the exception of that whole real world stuff. 
So, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah you're not- going to get a push pre Eternals, of course, of course. So. Um, but yeah, that. But that aside, like yeah, the being that that whole thing was a catch all for his soul, and the body was being healed up at the same time, and I guess it, it still didn't make a whole whole lot of sense personally. But like, all right, we'll run with. I'm it. not arguing. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> But um, it was like, all right, fine. This is this is what they ginned up for it. So fine. So yeah. So so Kazar and Sean are now connected. Both connected to the Savage Land in the same way. Um, I whether that's kind of come back up. And they also worked out some issues uh, during the course of that because you know there was that whole, hey, you were with the Agents of Wakanda and just left me behind as I was trying to deal with trying to you know dealing with uh, you know this new power, quote unquote, that I have and and. You know, so so them two worked that out and renewed their love or whatever the case may be, and this and all this happened. So here's my so my thing was this: K, the same thing that happened to Kazar pretty much is the same thing that happened to T'Challa in Empire Proper. One of these people are still alive. We don't know the the um. Although at it's the end a, of this, he's... <laughs> I mean, you knew I was gonna you know I was just gonna go over this. I know so. One one of them just has been brought back to life. Uh, the other ones, especially given what was said at the um, at the end of this issue, that you know that's pointing towards uh, Empire Number Five. Uh, you know, the someone's someone's uh, life is in flux potentially at this point, and that bothers me greatly. <laughs> but again, um, you know, we already see what happened. We saw what happened in five. We, you know, six is coming out next week. We'll see if if that's going to actually stick, or I'm going to be, you know, well, and I'm going to be thoroughly upset, or something's going to happen to kind of reverse that, or pretty know. much. Uh, but that's pretty much Empire Avengers number three. Yeah, it, it kind of felt like this whole thing was like, all right, it's pretty much the big picture is the Savage Land stuff, but these other two things were just on the side. Like it's almost as if they had said, well. We we're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna do this another another issue or two, but we decided to cut it and just kind of focus on the Savage Land stuff because it seems kind of pointless that they even had the other two teams just like yeah the, the other two teams were just doing their thing, but yeah, it's kind of like the B and C storylines really right yeah you know imagine imagine a TV show right and uh, there's B and Z storylines in like a in like a three episode arc right you know they really just wanted to touch upon the fact that this is a worldwide thing really wanted to they really wanted to stress that this was a worldwide uh, invasion so they had teams of avengers in different places so sure i they think didn't necessarily had to do that because it, right? i think that was the whole point of it i think it was you know it was meant to be not throwaway stories, but at the same time, just, you know, just to be the B and the C storyline, not, not to be, uh, uh, what call it primary for our, uh, for our reading purposes. Right. Yeah. But it still seemed, it still seemed kind of pointless in that. I'm like, yeah, actually like, I no, I don't, I'm not arguing with you. Not in, the least. <laughs> not in the least. I agree, but I think that, you know, I think that was the whole point of what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, though, uh, we can push off from that because it is what it is. So, which means that uh, I believe um, all of the tie-in issues have been wrapped up. I believe. Did we, did you say we had one more next week, or what's that? Well, technically, that Fantasy Four next week from next week 
is also oh, you mean a Titans? Tie-in. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, that Fantastic Four issue is going to be a tie-in. It's probably going to involve those kids. Right. So, um, you know, we'll the- see. You know, there's going to be some fallout from Empire you know, that we already know about the two, but the Avengers and the FF uh, one-shots that are coming um, that will follow up on uh, the conclusion of the Empire storyline. So, you know, we're, we're going to be getting some more Empire over the next couple of weeks, at least, I think. Right. Which also, speaking of that, the, the storyline with the kids, I feel like that's also something that felt like that, that could have had a, that probably felt like it could have been built up to something bigger than it is about that. But we don't know what what's going to happen in the Fantastic Four issue. We, and we do know exactly. they're going to have things going uh, right. going forward. I say, that. don't 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 underestimate what they're going to do with those kids in that Fantastic Four book. I think right. that's where those that where that story is going to play out. Right, but I felt like it almost felt like uh, like they were kind of setting it up to where that's going to be a bigger issue in Empire, uh, just in general. Oh, right, in the proper uh, right. miniseries, but doesn't seem. But it's not that way because otherwise they would have been doing more on it than they have been. So, but again, we'll see what happens next week. Moving right sure. along. Oh, you saying you said you said them? No, no, I said sure. Go on. Okay. Um, I guess. We'll get one or two more in Amazing Spidey. Sure. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man, number 47. So we still got the Sin Eater thing going on. Um, and uh, what we thought, um, well, pretty much what happened at the end of last issue is pretty much similar in a way to what happened in the original Sin Eater storyline from back in the day. Right. It's a twist. Yeah. It's a twist. On, on what happens to Betty Brant in the original Sin Eater storyline. Right. And also the difference being in this case is that uh, not only uh, well, it pretty much happened in reverse because what we what we see is that the Sin Eater was just pretty much in the back of Nora Winter's car, but she was the one who shot. She shot first. <laughs> she was on in this, in this case. Um, right. Because, you know, some strange dude is in the back of my car and, you know, maybe trying to, to, to cost me. We don't know. Or trying to kill me. We don't know. But come to find out that um, uh, uh, St. Nita wants, pretty much wants her to uh, interview him so that he can get his uh, side of the story out. And, of course, she being as op- opportunistic as she is, went with it, put the story out, uh, and that's pretty much what we get. Or put the interview out, and that's what we get from there. Although it was... Less of an interview and more of pretty much his treatise. <laughs> like he, this is right, like this is pretty much his uh, his uh, his mission statement that he just mm-hmm. gave out to the world, and you know, and we see that kind of going on. But then we flip to Spidey and Carly talking about what we th- what I thought would have been already discussed in the last issue, and that's um, you know. Uh, they're still there with Overdrive and what happened to him and Carly's version of the story. But we come to find out that uh, all is not what it seemed to be going into this because as Carly is telling his side of the story, her her side of the story, excuse me, um, we find out that it wasn't the, well, Overdrive's state as of right now was not because of Sin Eater, but because of uh, police shenanigans. Right, I was going to say his powerless state is because of Correct. Uh, Sin Eater. But what happened after he woke up uh, happened off panel until we 
Uh, it still happens off panel until we uh, until it's revealed here in this story, and um, that was wild. That was like a really wild um, uh, kind of uh, not a side story, but it was just kind of like you know, not out of nowhere. Like, whoa, this is weird. Right. Also, given in today's climate, this is kind of it, that whole part kind of was like, ooh, like it wasn't. I'm sure it wasn't meant to be. You know. But it, right, right, just the time there might of it was kind of right. There might be more to it, right? There might be more to it than we know. But yeah. it was just really, really, you know, I was just like, wow, you know, where, where is this coming from? That's really what it was to me, right? Like, where's this coming from? Like, you know, like where, where, where Spencer going with this? But then to compound that, there is some more kind of real world allegory going on in this with the Sin Eaters. Um, call to arms to not necessarily anyone who feels they're supreme you know uh-huh. but they're looking to cleanse sins and what's funny about this is that there's definitely uh, a supernatural uh, 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 bent Ben, you know, there's a supernatural bent to the Sin Eater story now mm-hmm. because find out what actually happened to the powers uh, that were hinted at uh, being stolen in the last issue or two. But we find out for sure that this version of the Sin Eater is not only powered by some sort of mystical and or demonic power but also has absorbed literally absorbed the lethal legion's power so he's whirlwind i believe he's gray gargoyle right um yeah because he got used that last drives issue. power yeah no i was saying he used he used uh um, um gray gargoyle's power last uh last issue right and the living laser right so you know, it's 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 uh you know it's interesting because the Sin Eater was never that was never that much of a threat to Spidey on his own, and Spidey acknowledges this. Right? No, he was just a dude with a shotgun. Exactly. He was always just going after uh, defenseless or you know defenseless but guilty people in the original story, but in this issue and in this storyline, it's a much different Sin Eater that we're dealing with. You know, and in his appeal to people who want to affect change by cleansing sins by any means that they feel they can, um, it's a it's it's a it's a a real uh, it's a real world allegory. I think you mm-hmm. know in this story. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, Spidey gets knocked around because of Sinita's new new power set, and um, and uh, but instead of killing him. We find out that uh, someone else has a purpose, which we know who that person is. Uh, someone has, else has a purpose for for Spidey that uh, that Cecilia kind of uh, hints around to. In fact, it was the the, the person who uh, who brought Cecilia back, uh, as he says. To which, again, this is stuff we knew already, pretty much. Um, the hows and the whys are, you know, probably irrelevant at this point, but I'm sure we'll we'll find them. We'll get them. Right, we'll get them. Yeah. But, like I said, at the end, instead of finishing off Spidey, who pretty much um, tells him, tells Spidey, was like, yeah, somebody else got a plan for you, and this is just a start, and um, you'll you'll find out at some point. But then we cut to um, Ravencroft, 
and uh, where some inmates are starting to lose it. And but we see that this is also a calculated message that is for um, for Norman Osborne, who is watching over the cameras. And apparently, we're I'm I'm going to believe that we are led to believe that the same person who's pulling plot spider strings, this kindred person, is also the same person that might be sending this message to Norman Osborne. Right. That is the direction we are being led in so far. So, which is pretty much sounds like it's going to set up, I suspect, another version, I mean, not even another version, but possibly um, Norman being the, the goblin again at some point in this. And I feel yep. like we probably already seen shades of that uh, in solicitors or whatever the case may be. And another yes. conversation with Pre- Spidey. Peril of reading solicitations, ladies and gentlemen. Pretty much. Uh, but yeah, we we you can pretty much see what's coming on unless there's a twist in here that we don't see that you know that we're not seeing at this point, and, and that's fine. That's that's a that's a thing. But yeah, the the, the pieces are starting to slowly coming together, and I know um, Spencer was like, "Yeah, this is going to be a whole big thing, and it's gonna it's gonna go for a minute, so it's gonna take a while to get to wherever it's going, especially with the confrontation, whatever confrontation with uh, Kindred and his." Um, or they are doing to Spidey. So, but yeah, that's pretty much that. Um, I think, yeah, we get a little bit more Carly about Carly and her, her relationship with her, with her dad, but that's, I don't know if that's going to come into play. If that's just something that was on the side, there's a good chance. That's probably something that's probably going to come up again, but we don't know. Um, right. But yeah, there you go. Oh, there was that one other, um, <clears throat> the one other thing I wanted to, I don't know if you noticed it, but um, there was a mention of um, from Sin Eater to Spidey talking about you always feel like you're superior. Well, yes, I did see that, and now and, and I have in my notes I'm like no, superior was the other guy. Right, <laughs> I'm surprised Spidey didn't have a quip ready for that. Exactly, and he's probably too shaken up at the time because he just got handed. So, but there's that. So that was Amazing Spider-Man number forty-seven. If you want to pick out another book before we go into rapid fire. Uh, let's see what you read. Let's see what Roddy Cat read. Do, 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 do. do you want to talk about, um, hmm. Uh, you want to talk about FF antithesis number sure. one? Sure. Fantastic Four antithesis number one. This is a story by Mark Wade with art for the first time on interiors for a Fantastic Four book. Art by one Neil Adams, a legend in his own mind, but more than likely a legend to most comic fans. That all, yes. They have both. Got, they they can both apply. They yeah they they they're not mutually exclusive. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have, I have, all I will say before you go any further, I have the same, I have in a similar nitpick as I had with another book from last week that I thought was Mark Wade, but I don't think it was. But go ahead and continue. I mean, honestly, I was focused upon the art because that was the main draw for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, the story is, um, you know, it, it's an FF story, but kind of carries similar. Uh, it has echoes of the current Thor storyline, mm. believe it or not, because yeah. of what happens to, or what is alleged to have happened to Galactus in this issue. Right. But it essentially involves 
the FF dealing with kind of a run-of-the-mill uh, negative zone incursion. There I go again with, uh, with the use of the word incursion. Uh, negative zone incursion on Earth with Annihilus uh, you know, wreaking havoc in, in New York City, but the FF... Uh, essentially repel him by, uh, you know, throwing a stick, you know, essentially throwing a stick away and uh, asking Annihilus to fetch. The stick I'm referring to is the cosmic control rod that essentially is um, uh, the basis for Annihilus's great power. Um, once that's taken care of, the FF are kind of left to their own devices. There's a nice little, there's definitely a nice little interlude w- between um, Sue Storm and uh, Reed Richards, Sue Richards and Reed Richards, where Sue has to uh, leave both Franklin and a very young Valeria at this time mm-hmm. uh, in the care of Agatha Harkness. While uh, Ben and uh, Johnny Storm are uh, kind of. Uh, uh, Pranking each other, or setting, or Johnny's setting up a prank on uh, on Ben Grimm. Left to their own they're, devices, as it were. Right. There's a really awkward looking panel with uh, Ben Grimm having the biggest teeth that I've ever seen him drawn with. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. You know, like I give Neil Adams a lot of credit on the art, but I'm just gonna you know, focus on the story real quick, and then I'll make a quick comment on the art. Um, essentially. Uh, the FF uh, have to deal with something coming in, um, you know, hot and fat, you know, like hot and heavy, basically, uh, fast and furious. I'm using all of the uh, the quips here today, uh, folks. Uh, something is incoming into Earth's atmosphere, and the FF have to do their level best to try to divert it from uh, impacting in or onto uh, uh, populated areas. And they, they 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 succeed, and what they find is that. Uh, a former ally is uh, is the person who is uh, um, hurtling towards the Earth, and that is none other than the Silver Surfer. I did mention earlier that there is a rumor that Galactus – that something bad has happened to Galactus, and that is the reason why uh, the Silver Surfer has come to seek uh, the Fantastic Four's aid. And that is essentially the crux of this issue. Um, it's the setup uh, for – uh, this antithesis limited series. Uh, my comment on the art is that um, I'm rolling, scrolling back to my notes very quickly. Just allow me a moment. Uh, Neil Adams's art in this issue, other than Ben Grimm's crazy teeth, is cleaner and more organized. Believe it or not, more organized than I've seen in a while. Which is a credit to his inker Mark Farmer and. Uh, the Colors by the incredible Laura Martin. Um, I'm comparing this to the Batman limited series that Neil Adams was working on within the last two years that I found was just very difficult to read. It was very muddy. I feel like this art in, in, in this issue was very clean. It is very reminiscent of his prior work uh, for Marvel. The panel layout was, was pretty well organized. The, face, the faces are... Are a little wilder than they than they were in the past. I think um, that's part of uh, uh, Neil Adams' is uh, aging. You know, his art not necessarily aging well. You know, his pencil style, his penciling not really aging that well. Um, I'm not sure where Wade is going here, but it might be worth following. You have any comments on this? 
Um, not much outside to say that. Um, so yeah, I, I had a couple of them. Obviously, the well, not even obviously, but the issues that I had with this with this was given that again, I've said this last time. Yes, Marvel sliding timeline being what it is, but there was something. There was that whole hey, we're going to use uh, speech that they clearly did not use at the time. Like Johnny was hashtagging and talking about memes. And I'm saying like, I'm pretty much remember when Valeria was a baby and that was not a thing. But again, sliding timeline being what it is, but I hate, I still, I still dislike when I do that. It's annoying to sick. Um, but also it come to find out that Reed made the star Wars program apparently because that whole thing with, uh, he had the satellites that were ready to repel like things coming into orbit, uh, coming, coming into uh, the atmosphere. I was like, that's right. the star Wars program. And, 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 and Reed went ahead and did what we actually haven't done yet. But, and as far as that last part is concerned, where we kind of get the shades of the big bad and what, what is going on with Galactus, which, as Agent 70 said, it mirrors kind of is mirroring what seems to be going on in current Thor. Uh, being that this was set in the past, we, we know Galactus is probably all right, but mm. you know, that's like that's kind of weird. So it almost kind of it almost kind of hits like it's a well, this is clearly a um, not a necessarily well, it's not a clearly a what if, but it's like a what if or a, a sad uh, Elseworld story or you know, seemingly light with all of this, but the but. That's not, you know, that's not the case. Like, I'm not sure what the, my, I guess my point is, like, I'm not sure what they're doing with these whole um, classic times, but, you know, uh, you know, bringing up stuff that is probably going to play out later on. Like, I'm sure whoever this big bad is, is probably going to be somebody that's going to, you know, turn have a turn in current books or whatever the case may be and that's why they're introducing them here but it's still kind of weird that they're doing this mess maybe we'll see yeah but that's pretty much it i'm curious are you curious to pick up the next issue kind of because i want to see where where they're going with this like what are what's the what's the uh what's the end game of this because we know like it it's not like we don't know that um you know galactus is alive whatever the case may be so I don't, I, I don't know what else is supposed to come out here outside of introducing that big bad, the big bad. Right. All right. So uh, if that's it for Fantastic Four and Synthesis, I think I might just spin up the minigun for rapid fire. Cool. Here we go. Right, I think we've got a lot of books in common, though, so uh, feel free to chime in. Okay. All right. Um, let's start with Arrow number 10. Um, essentially, this is an issue that sets up a team-up with Iron Man as Iron Man finds himself um, uh, visiting uh, uh, Arrow's company um, to, uh, you know, uh, to do some actual, you know, honest to goodness business but finds himself in the middle of uh was madam wong um uh agitating uh you know we're getting a little bit more 10 issues in we're getting a little bit more of a background on uh madam wong and possibly arrows powers and some and the uh, possible origination of their uh their shared uh history 
So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I'm hesitant to try to explain it all right now because it seemed a little on the confusing side. I think we're going to get more information as as we go forward. But that's essentially what happens in the story. Anything else? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. This this book, uh, yeah, it's been a while since we've seen this issue since since we've seen this book. So the fact that it's back now is like, oh yeah, okay, great. And yeah, the whole Tony Stark and Arrow thing uh, was that was kind of amusing, and I guess it was that. And there's also I guess with this book, the whole uh, hey, part of this book is in the past, part of this book is in the present thing is still kind of confusing. But I'm not sure how much of that really plays out now. But we definitely get a little bit more of uh, Madame Wong's backstory going into this that I'm sure that will play out in future issues. Definitely, definitely. And we start to learn more about those crazy crystal towers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and we'll see we'll see how that all fits together. But we definitely get a lot of, um, you know, exposition, honestly, and, and history on those in this issue. So if you're if you've been curious about what those are, this is the issue to pick up. Uh, next up for me is Batman Three Jokers. This is a black label story and how do i know it's a black label story without really uh looking at the covers because um the red hood curses in this book it's so funny um there is an intriguing setup in this obviously from the title it posits that there are or at least have been three jokers in uh that have been active um during the course of batman's career and it seems that at least two of them are working together in this story. So um, it's definitely an intriguing setup. The story definitely plays into the long history between the Joker's question mark and the Bat family. So, um, you know, if you're not really a fan, you can actually pick this up and kind of get it. That's the best part. And if you are a longtime fan or maybe even a lapsed Batman fan, uh, which, which I sort of am, uh, it does harken back to stuff from uh, The Killing Joke, from Death in the Family, from lots of the older stories. Yeah, the, the, like the, the Three Jokers was a thing that was kind of business. Wasn't that stuff kind of brought up uh, at the beginning of like Dark Knight's Metal or something? I can't remember what, what event that was, but this is, oh, well, the whole Doomsday Clock, the um, Watchmen thing. Like, didn't all, this, I, all, all that come up then, but never really did anything with that? This is the follow-up, I think. Yeah. I think. Because remember, it took Doomsday Clock two years to come out. True. So... But I'm saying, but yeah, but it, but in, yeah, but within all of that, like, the three Jokers were kind of introduced, but they never really did anything doing it. I just kind of dropped it. Exactly. The concept was introduced, and now we're, we're finally getting the follow-up on it. So that's where we are. Hmm. Uh, next up is Daredevil Annual Number 1. Did you read this? No. All right. Uh, for people who have been reading Daredevil, Mike Murdoch has become a thing. Literally and figuratively, he's become a thing. And his story literally gets a retcon in the comic book. It's literally a retcon in the comic book, and it is a pretty well-told story. So uh, for anyone who is looking to see where the, st- the future stories of Daredevil might be going, this is a pretty pivotal annual to have. So... It might be worth it for you to read. Uh, Next up is Iron Man 2020 number six. Ladies and gentlemen, believe it or not, I was not a believer at the beginning of this story. And I really haven't been picking this up as a personal, uh, you know, as part of my personal poll list. But this was a fun event. 
slot dance lot puts the toys mostly back in the box with some interesting changes in characters stat respective status quo um he also sets up some interesting possibilities for the future series by uh christopher cantwell and cafu which is coming soon so um all in all it was a somewhat tidy wrap-up but it's to be expected um of a story that is leading into a little brand new number one and a soft reboot of the character and title. Next up for me is Philadelphia number seven. This is a new story arc in the story of Philadelphia's vampires, which are now led by Abigail Adams. If you don't know why um, the second first lady of the United States is a vampire and is leading a group of vampires in Philadelphia. Read the first six issues of Philadelphia. It's pretty good. Uh, it's uh, this story centers around her and the cops who are doing their best to stop these vampires. So it is a pretty solid jumping on point, but at the same time, I do recommend reading the first six issues. Uh, and last but not least, I believe Roddy Cat read this book. It's X Factor number two. Um, the yep. X-Factor team is off to the Mojoverse to investigate another murder of a Krakoan citizen after we get the uh, the return uh, heralded at the end of last issue. Uh, one, um, uh, oh goodness, I can't remember her code name because um, for whatever reason, her real name, Jean-Marie Bobier, comes into mind. Aurora. Um, Aurora, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because they keep referring to her as Jean-Marie, Jean-Marie Bobier in the right. book. And I'm just like, what the heck is her code name? Well, they did I mention forgot. her. They didn't mention Aurora once, I think, like when she first got there or somewhere, somewhere in there. But, yeah, that pretty much was calling her by, by her government the whole time. Yeah. So, ultimately, you know, not that this is going to make me get the, uh, the Alpha Flight Marvel Legends set anytime soon. <laughs> but still. Uh, that's been the, a running thing the, with, in the, in the, the background, folks. Yeah. <laughs> No, I was going to say it was a pretty interesting read. What do you have to say about X Factor number two, if anything? Uh, yeah, you pretty much covered it. That there was like the, uh, the um, yeah, like I said, the whole Mojo World thing. It was like, huh, that's kind of something. Um, but you know, during that whole, whenever the Mojo's involved, it, it, it gets weird, and it surely was here. But it was kind of, it was kind of fun read, and then of course, um, Aurora being shown around the house with the, by the baby war wolf and you know, watching everything that's going on because apparently the, 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 you know, as more forward to do everything's on, everything's, um, everything is a live stream. So that whole thing was, has, uh, has some amusing parts to it. So yeah, I've been, I'm still enjoying uh, X Factor so far. So cool. And I forgot no star was married, but anyway, Oh my goodness! I'm looking at a, a, a <laughs> shout out to Classic, who uh, is posting personal pictures up. It's it's pretty funny. It's kind of how I remember. Um, anyway, uh, so that's it for me. What do you have on deck for your rapid fire? Oh, I thought you had. Um... Oh, we already talked about it, man. Oops. So, Haliens, number three, to continue the uh, X Corner. Uh, Did you read this? You didn't read this. I I skimmed it. it. I skimmed it. Um, So, 
there was a, a, a survive the experience in the roll call page, which I, I was like, that's new. Um, but uh, there's, and I said in my notes, there's a couple of good splash pages in this book. And basically, um, the team's uh, not doing so well as they're, as they're going up against uh, Madeline Pryor, the Goblin Queen. And she's like, uh, y'all are going to recognize the fact that I'm still here, that I'm, I'm, I'm an actual person and still here, which is her pretty much her whole monologue throughout the whole issue. And I guess somewhere she's somewhere in there, she got uh, Alex's sway. Um, while she's monologuing, like all I know is they kiss, and then all of a sudden he just was at her feet, and I'm like, okay, that's weird. But then the other part of this book uh, is, oh well, yeah, and also she, we get her, uh, you know, she, we get her motivations for doing what she's doing, which, like I said, you know, people keep forgetting about her, and she's going to, she's basically going to strike against uh, Sinister and the Krakowins. Uh, with uh, with his old old stuff, and that they they will know that she's a real person and, and not to ignore her. Which I guess that's a probably a, again another statement on her character in general. You know, mm-hmm. in the during the course of this last decade or so. Uh, but also on the other side of this, we get Salak uh, uh, establishing herself as the as the um, as the alpha. Or I guess some would say reestablishing herself as the alpha uh, of this team in general, specifically. But you know, uh, and we also get a weird because I even say in my notes like who's narrating the um, the text pages because the one text pages that basically brings that up is like that talks about. I thought Sinister was the one doing those text pages, but it doesn't seem like because because it, it's. Um, because basically, it kind of goes on to say, "Is like, hey, Psylocke is, you know, basically, you know, back in the day, we were, we were, um, we gave Professor X, the, you know, a, a lot of cachet, but we knew Scott was the one leading the group, so that's the one where we followed. And then it kind of goes into, you know, where we're assuming it's going to take it with this uh, group, and that Psylocke is going to be the one taking over the, the leadership of this group, and that she's not a pawn of Sinister and that kind of stuff. So I was like, that's so, I like, I'm." who's doing the narration? Cause I'm like, what, what was the purpose of bringing that up outside of just kind of, you know, putting that out right. there like that. I mean, it makes me think that we should go back to the first two issues of the book or maybe the first issue when this group is first sent on this mission, because it seemed like it was the beast to me just because of, just because of, you know, some mm. of the, some of the things he said, especially, um, you know, referring to Professor X the way he did, but at right. the same time, you know, it could be several. There's several candidates for 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 the uh, the person making those notes. Quite possibly, yeah. So anyway, and also they managed to to sneak in a, a couple of um, probably as natural as this is going to get instances of Yes Queen mm-hmm. with the K W E N by the way, and not you know not the regular spelling of queen. So I was like, okay, they clearly did that for a reason, but yeah, like I said, it was a, it's a pretty good, uh, read. Um, you know, where's it going? We'll see, see, uh, but yeah, it is what it is. And my last book is teen Titans annual number two, which I kind of skimmed through, uh, before the, the show. Uh, and I'm going to say Deathstroke's back, um, as there is sort of an intervention for Robin, uh, including the bat, uh, and Damien is pretty much within his own, still within his own feelings about what happened to uh, 
uh, Alfred, which he doesn't really express, but we see here is in the starts. Um, there's a fight between, well, it's not even that much of a fight, but there ends up being a, a fight with the Deathstroke, but that just kind of goes away because Deathstroke's still alive because the, 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 the team thought they had killed him or Red Alvarez specifically thought they'd killed him and kind of find out that's not true. And I guess you, um, if you haven't been reading Deathstroke's actual book, you probably find out how, what happened with that. Um, but like I said, Batman shows up also, and they try to, and him and the team try to intervene with uh, with how Robin is feeling right now, Damian Wayne, and there's a fight between Batman and uh, Robin, which is not much of a, it's kind of a one sided fight, and you see a side of Batman that you don't really see that often uh, in this book uh, coming out of this. Uh, but then at the end of it, Robin comes to some sort of a decision. And uh, I guess goes his own way, let's just say. And that's where this uh, annual... We already know Teen Titans is ending, so I'm assuming the rest of that's going to play out uh, going into the end of the last chapter of um, this volume. And that, folks, is it for me. So now we can go to Clicks of the Week. Clicks of the Week! Um, oh, you know what? Did we actually, we didn't get anything from the fellas. Did we? You know, we, are we correct. surely did not. Um, so while we're thinking, I'm just going to send this quick, quick little note. <laughs> you are correct. I, I, I fell out of my uh, habit this week. Uh, uh, I recently been sending early, like first calls for, uh, for clicks of the week, so I didn't yeah. do that this week, and I apologize. And because uh, I totally forgot to, we were too busy talking anyway. Uh, and I'm still kind of thinking about mine because there's a couple of, there's actually, it's kind of a light week, but actually, there's a couple of, I mean, there's a couple of quality reads, yeah, but, you know, nothing that like jumps out and like kind of, you know forces you to pick it as your click of the week right. so that arrow was actually kind of cute when you know d- despite the way yeah. it went you know so you know the the, the proper music for this is <laughs> so we have to figure out a click of the week this week yeah i might end up rereading it a bit and this is not necessarily the click or, or i hadn't come down on it but the team titan was like huh like this is going to happen, so that's. <laughs> I would I would say read that issue. Uh, just kind of you don't necessarily need to know about what's been going on in the book um, prior to this because some of that's kind of get gets told. Sure, um, but it kind of bears out a couple of things. You know, at least what's going on with the group and specifically, specifically Damien. Um, so I'm going to think out loud here. Sure. Um, Amazing was actually halfway decent. Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, the art, the art was a little, you know, hit and miss for me. It's someone I don't recognize. The art, it's the the artist isn't someone I recognize. But I thought the story overall was fairly strong. Um, I thought that Batman Three Jokers that did, as I said earlier, have an intriguing setup. Daredevil Annual Number One was was really like a solid read as we kind of went through a literal retcon. A literal retcon. We saw it happening on the pages before us. 
Um, and last but not least is something I mentioned earlier. Iron Man 2020 number six was just a fun event. It's I'm actually leaning towards it as click of the week simply because it's like the biggest dark horse candidate out there because it's an event that none of us really paid much attention to. But I just enjoyed uh, you know, the last couple of issues specifically because it was just really solid, solid superhero work and led to um and you know and, and, and is leading to uh uh you know a new a new relaunch for uh, Iron Man and his uh, and his cohort. So, you know what? I am actually going to go with my dark horse candidate, Iron Man twenty twenty number six of all things. Right? Nice. Yeah, you've kind of been 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 warming up on that one for from the last couple of issues. So, absolutely. Um, and then, so for myself, I think I'm going to. I think I've pretty much landed on uh, X-Men 11. Sure. Why not? Ah, okay. Like I said, I, I kind of enjoyed it. Like so there was a whole, like the, the, the video game references that I put out there aside and it was actually a, a solid, you know, a, a solid read. You know, it's like, it's not like earth shaking or anything. Well, I guess it was earth shaking thanks to Magma, but ha ha. Um, oh no. <laughs> Oh. read the issue and find out what he means by that uh but the uh, but yeah it was it was a pretty good read i enjoyed it so that being the case um while we're probably still waiting for this oh wait here we go oh, that, was okay, me. that was you um well if we get something from the other probably eat the sleeper doing whatever business they're doing or whatever else shenanigans they're into. Uh, so if we get something from them later in the in the program, then we'll revisit it. But right now, let us get to some ad. An ad. All right. So our first ad of the night is for Funko. Fun at first sight. It is your home for exclusive collectibles, such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including T-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise including custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off, and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us, that's cspn.us, then click on the Keep Our Podcasts Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through CSPN.us. Do it today. Now we get into the news. Indeed, and as we do um, every week by this time, we start with the cinematic news, because uh, I am not messing with my camera stuff anymore, because it's not going to work fine. Captain Marvel's original script killed off a major hero, although I guess hero is kind of a stretch in this case, because I believe um, it was revealed, yes, it reveals that uh, actor Ben Mendelsohn revealed that he says his, his character, Talos, uh, the fan favorite lead scroll was originally set to die in the film, which we did see that kind of, huh? Of course not. I'm, oh. I ain't surprised about that. Interesting. 
but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but yeah, um, Talos was supposed to die in the film, which we almost saw, but it didn't happen. Uh, and uh, we just got word from Dirt saying that uh, Batman Three Jokers was his pick again. Like I said, not surprising. <laughs> Uh, next up, I was gonna say it's definitely not uh, Dark Knight's uh, death metal. Excellent. <laughs> you know, PCN nice. underscore Dirt has definitely checked out on that stuff. So, anyway, uh, next up, uh, Triple Frontier director J.C. Chandor is in talks to helm Sony's Spider-Man spinoff, Craven the Hunter. Uh, movie. J.C. Chandor is in talks with to helm the movie for Sony's universe of Marvel characters. Deadline reports. Though Morbius and Venom, Let There Be Carnage, are both post- postponed until 2021, Sony Pictures is not slowing down as it builds up its slate of Marvel hero movies. Go away, Sony! The studio recently confirmed the Madam Web movie is being directed by S.J. Clarkson and Mark Guggenheim is on board to write Jackpot. Jackpot? Olivia Wilde is also reported to be directing a Spider-Woman movie for Sony. So the studio sure looks determined to catch up or cash in with their competitors in the MCU and DCEU. Okay. Do we really need a Madam Web movie? Listen, they're going to milk it until they can. I, I know. That's true. That's true. Um, okay. Yeah, sure. Um, next up, though... Ah, uh, some problematic news here. So, um, there's a there was this article on IO9 that was an interview uh, with Josh Boone, the director of the New Mutants movie, which is uh, which is out, or which is coming out tomorrow, actually, as of this uh, recording. Exactly. Uh, and there are places who said that they're not going to review it because they would have to send somebody to the theater and they're not doing that or blah, 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 blah. But regardless, it will be out one way or the other tomorrow. Finally, after 20 years or 50 years, after 10,000 years, it's free. But regardless, um, Josh Boone was interviewed by IO9. And uh, amongst other topics, the topic of uh, the casting of Sunspot was brought up because, um, you know, th- there are more people than, than myself that's been, that was kind of uh, had a problem with the, the you know, the, the light-skinned Sunspot. And uh, as I'm scrolling down to it here, I was just going to mention that it says, um, so yeah, they, the Iron Eye mentions the, so, um, the, the criticism about casting Hirozaka to play Roberto, who is um, in the comic Afro-Brazilian, and none of those comic... This isn't comic accurate, folks. Did not say one word about this, by the way. Um, And he answers the questions by saying this. Um, Well, one, they they asked him, do they get the criticism? He said, oh, do you understand where the criticism came from? And he says, you won't get an argument from me. It's like my thing was my goal was to cast a real Brazilian. And I saw 300 of myself, black, brown, lighter skinned. I saw every shade under the sun. There is no, um, there's very little punctuation in that. Oh, yes, sure. it's, it's just kind of hard to see. Um, I saw every shade under the sun. It was the same case as Blue Hunt, uh, who's playing Danny Moonstar. Uh, 
it's like we looked at 300 Native American people and people with very close ties to Native American community. My goal was to find the, the, the best actor who, um, because they've done so little work, was the least close. Basically, he pulled a, a uh, I, I'm, 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 I got the best man for the job. Um, who was Zillion, right? Which is like at least, you know, the, um, the what's it called? The, um, the, 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 I want to say the least evil of the two evils. Uh, it gets worse. Um, but so he goes on and he goes on to say that he basically waxes, you know, he, he glows about Henry, whatever the case may be. But he also says that I would have found someone who was darker skin who exemplified what I needed, but it was never about the color of their skin for me. Um, and then Io Nine I said, did it not fit into your vision of, for Roberto's story in the story in the film? And he says, I didn't care so much about the racism I heard about in Brazil about light skin versus dark skinned. To me, um, it was to me it was I wanted to represent Brazil in a positive way, and I wanted to find someone who seemed like he could look like a, a guy who's had a silver spoon in his mic. Uh, in his mouth, who has a really rich dad, and Henry just exemplified all these things. So in this, yeah, bas- yikes, yeah. So he basically, <laughs> so yes, uh, he's basically saying not only did he say the best man for the job was a white was was a white a lighter white skinned person, but he's basically is like I didn't give a fuck about trying to, trying to find a, a dark skinned person who was, who actually looks like more you know Brazilians, you know. And the whole represent Brazil in a positive way, you had to get a light-skinned Brazilian to do that. A light-skinned person to do that. Like, there is so much to, bad about this, those those two statements he's made, or those statements that he made in this. So he's basically saying he didn't give a fuck. <sighs> so, and then again, this, he goes on about it. This, uh, <laughs> this poor movie. Yeah, uh, I'm sitting here like, he's, he's made a, a, some bad statements in the past with the whole movie thing, but that, this is just leaps and bounds just terrible like right. i mean we're not risking our, our our we're not risking catching covid to catch this movie in theaters folks absolutely so. not anyway moving right along so that's that's the thing to just go ahead and just go ahead and you know embrace that from this full right net you know anyway next up next up uh Keanu Reeves has revealed that he was never informed of directors Lana and Lily Wachowski's intent to make the Matrix a trans allegory. Uh, he states that he never spoke to Lily about that and she never conveyed that to him. Reeves told Yahoo Entertainment. Uh, he thinks the Matrix films, the Matrix films are profound, and I think that and he thinks that allegorically a lot of people in different versions of the film can speak to that. And for Lily to come out and share that with us, I think is cool. Okay. Yeah, so he was fine with it. So I don't know. The, the, I granted this is this feels like a non uh, a non article. Uh, right, and it, and it pretty much is. But you know, just I'm sure there are people that were thinking about that part of about it for some reason. Uh, anyway, next up, uh, watch the first episode of Wait. Is that is this one for you? Hold on, let me make sure this. Yeah, okay, we're right. Yeah, we're good. Uh, watch the first episode of Star Trek Lower Decks for free on YouTube. Yes, folks, uh, that the, that animated um, Star Trek show is on, or at least the first episode is on YouTube right now. If so, watch it if you care to. Next up. 
All right. On Tuesday, Ben Cross, the English actor who starred in the 1981 Oscar-winning film Chariots of Fire and played Sarek in 2009's J.J. Abrams' Star Trek reboot, died at the age of 72. Zachary Quinto, the actor who played Sarek's son Spock in Star Trek, took to Instagram to pay tribute to Cross. Quinto writes, uh, so sorry to hear the passing of Ben Cross. He played Spock's father, Sarek, in our first Star Trek movie. And uh, among many other indelible roles, and he was always so incredibly thoughtful and generous and engaging. Okay. Blah, and he goes on to say he's, uh, you know, sending him and his family much love and light and rest in peace. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, yeah. ding, ding, ding. Anyway. Um, next up, uh, the Flash showrunner won't rule out another Arrowverse DCEU crossover. So some folks might remember, or if you've seen it, I believe it was at the end of last season that uh, Ezra Midler's Flash and Grant Gustin's Flash met each other on the uh, on the show. Um, to which I still have yet to see it, but I know it got brought up during DC Fandom because of uh, what's probably coming up uh, in a couple of uh, things, a couple of uh, of um, articles. Anyway, so yeah, uh, but um, it says here, I would love to see Grant appear somewhere in their version of the film. Uh, say I said, wait, say I said what? <laughs> I have no idea what this is. Okay, anyway, you know what? I'll it's give not like Foghorn Leghorn. I say that's I know, right? That's that's how it's written here. I'm like, what is what? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it is absolutely written. Y'all can see it for yourselves oh. right there. I'm like, what is the world? What is going on here? It's not because I've been having beer t- uh, tonight along <laughs> with the show. That actually is what. And Roddy Cat admitted that is exactly what he sounded. Yeah, that is exactly what it says here in the audio too. Say, like, say, I said. Anyway, uh, you know what? I'll give you a couple of weeks off easy now. Uh, Wallace said. So this is Eric Wallace, uh, the Flash showrunner, uh, talking. I guess I don't know if they they'll do it, but I'm putting it out here because I know Grant would be excited. Uh, I think he would have some fun. Also told Ezra with open uh, with open arms, we would welcome him back. Uh, I would love to have him back for longer for a full episode of The Flash if we can somehow make it happen. Make it happen. So basically, he's saying, yeah, he's down to go either way with the the, the Flash uh, multiverse situation. I saw the like I, said, I saw the clip on DC Fandom, and I had not seen it in real life yet. But it's I mean, or in the actual episode yet. But it's sure. I still have a problem with Ezra Miller, but that's a whole other situation. Next up. All right. Uh, let's see. Where are we? Is it How the Flash Season 7? Yes. All right. So it would seem that Elongated Man is about to leave Central City since the Flash's plan to deal with its Hartley Sawyer problem is to recast and write out Ralph Gibney. The character has been an important part of the show since joining Team Flash in Season 4, but everything changed when Sawyer was fired over racist and misogynistic tweets that had resurfaced. Good riddance. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so, so yeah, so the, basically this article goes on to say what they could probably do in lieu of all of that happening with his character. So, alrighty. Yeah. Um, whether they do it or not, that's the whole thing, but it was probably kind of a speculation piece in, in part, but I think some stuff has kind of been going on already. Don't know. Next up, uh, boop. 
Uh, the Flash movie will establish the multiverse as DC's new cinematic bedrock. So kind of going back to what I was saying with that other Flash uh, story. Uh, so the Flash will explore multiple alternative alternate realities during the course of its story. This is the Flash movie, uh, particularly the universe of Michael Keaton's Batman. According to director uh, Andy Machete, that reproach will serve as the foundation for future, excuse me, future films based on DC properties. So basically like the animated Flashpoint did with uh, the DC animated uh, universe. I guess the movie is a bit of a hinge in the sense that it uh, presents a story that implies a unified universe where all the cinematic iterations that we've seen before are valid. Uh, Machete told Vanity Fair. It's inclusive in the sense that is that it's saying all that you've seen exists and everything that you will see exists in the same unified multiverse. Also worth pointing out that on the flash TV show, they had the um, crisis of independent earths uh, crossover which, as we know from reading the, the actual story, supposedly unified um, all the, the multiverse into one universe. But again, with Ezra Middle's Flash kind of coming to the fold, that means that that's not the case. <laughs> you know, or showing up on the show, that means that that's not the case. But also in comic books, that's also not the case. <laughs> so there is that. So, Yeah. There you go, and they mentioned the 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 the, um, the the TV shows crossover. So there you go. The Flash movies pretty much doing what Flashpoint sound like it's doing, or it did. Next. All right. So during the Flash movie panel at DC Fandom, new concept art was revealed, offering fans their first glimpse at the new suit Ezra Miller's Barry Allen will sport in the long gestating film. That's one way to put it. Mm. The first piece of artwork showcases the suit itself. While the second actually puts it on Miller, which appears to be preparing, who appears to be preparing uh, to battle a group of armed goons alongside none other than Michael Keaton's Batman. Not only that, but director Andy Muschietti implies Barry's new suit is actually the Dark Knight's own handiwork. As you can see, it's more organic, he said, like it's been built from his friend Bruce Wayne this time. Sure. And you can see if you're looking at the article, you can see pictures of uh, the I- silhouettes of the suit which also looked like it could have been from the justice league cartoon uh with the intro and all these in a couple of the instances but yeah there you go uh next up guess what ben affleck is returning as batman in the flash uh and we also know that michael keaton is probably going to be there also because of well other things outside of what we just heard, but Ben Affleck is set to reprise his role as Batman in the upcoming film adaptation of The Flash. The actor has repeatedly denied interest in ever taking up the role again. Uh, according to Vanity Fair, Affleck has agreed to return as the Cape Crusader for one more movie. The Flash movie is being directed by Adam Shetty. We already know that. Who he was from. Um, necessity is that Affleck is a very substantial part of the emotional impact of the movie. Uh, the interaction and the relationship between Barry and Affleck's Wayne will bring an emotional level that we haven't seen before, Muschietti said. It's Barry's movie, it's Barry's story, but the characters are more related than we think. They both lost their mothers to murder, and that's one of the emotional vessels of the movie. That's also Batman v Superman's uh, whole crux. But anyway, uh, <laughs> and that's where the Affleck Batman kicks in. So they're pulling a Marvel. No, I'm just kidding. Hopefully they're not doing that. Um, next up. All right. As part of the lead up to DC fandom, uh, director Matt Reeves, uh, 
tweeted out an image of the new Batman logo, which re- which features the Batman in blood red text set against a black background and an image of the bat emblem from Robert Pattinson's rugged bat suit. So during the DC fandom, they also showed a picture that that one picture of uh, of um, uh, Pattinson and the cow It's in red and it looks it looks totally like the daredevil shots that you've seen from the Netflix daredevil of him in the suit and, you know, being, you know, with the red light. And I made that joke and I was like, let me pull this tweet from here right now. Cause for, for somebody to make me serious for, for somebody to text me serious. Mm. But, uh, if you had, um, so yeah, but it's definitely got a red and black vibe going on here. As you can see from the pictures next up. Um, so yeah, here's the crux of the thing, folks. Trailers for the Batman wonder woman, 1984 suicide squad, and uh, a Suicide Squad featurette and uh, to teach a trailer for Black Adam and Shazam to all make the rounds at uh, DC Fandome. Uh, so, yeah, so DC Fandome, because basically almost all right off the bat, because I believe they started with um, that Gotham Knights. No, they did Wonder Woman first. They did the Wonder Woman trailer first, and then they went into uh, a couple of video games news, which we'll get into later. And then during the course of the thing, you know, uh, the Batman trailer, uh, the Suicide Squad um, um, with the cast, which actually that part was kind of fun, too, because uh, basically it was James Gunn and the cast. And they had uh, like, um, uh, you know, they were basically put into teams and, and was answering questions based on the comic. It was, that was kind of fun uh, seeing them interact with each other but we also got um which i guess is the next news no it's not the next news we'll get to that in a second actually we probably won't so there was a whole ro- yeah we probably won't never mind next up <laughs> sorry folks that's no problem uh everyone's already figured out the riddler's riddle in the batman trailer love it two bat fans one of them a bona fide puzzle master plowed through the Riddler's cryptogram hours after it was first shown in the Batman's trailer premiere on Saturday. Spoiler alert, the Riddler has weak riddle game unless we were meant to solve it quickly, in which case maybe the riddle's on us or something. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, during the course of the Batman... So what? I said I won't spoil it for you guys. No, but basically as you know, as there was a, you know, the riddles in it, guess what? And there was a riddle that was going through the the Batman teaser trailer, which is at the bottom of this article you can see or in the the it's in the show notes, folks. Uh and people pretty much solved it because the internet is undefeated. Uh next up. DC clears up how the Batman, Joker, the Flash, and Justice League movies all will work together. Uh multiverse, folks. That's all you need to know. Next up. James Gunn's Suicide Squad roster of villains unveiled in new teaser video. So uh, director James Gunn took his time at DC Comics' fandom to introduce the new Suicide Squad set to debut in Warner Brothers' The Suicide Squad. A roll call trailer for Suicide Squad sequel debuted at Fandome and uh, it included Idris Elba as Bloodsport, John Cena as Peacemaker, Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang, Nathan Fillion as TDK, Pete Davidson as Blackguard, and many more. My response to all of those characters that I had no recognition for was, who? 
Well, so, I mean, Jai Courtney was Captain Boomerang in the first one, so that was no. I was, said all of those. I didn't. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, that's no. the Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the yeah. So you know, I obviously recognize the ones from the first movie, and you know, Captain Boomerang is not exactly a minor character. So, yeah. uh, you know, he's a member. He's a featured member of, uh, or at least different versions are featured members of the Flash's Rogues Gallery. Yeah, but um, you know, ultimately. Uh, Gun also debuted a behind-the-scenes video that included some of the first footage from the Suicide Squad. Did you watch it? Or any of it? I did. I did. It's interesting. Yeah. So there. I. No, it looks like you know, and 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 because we've seen what James Gunn can do with superhero stuff, mm-hmm. that's why I think that whatever he turns out, even though I won't care anything about these characters, unlike <laughs> unlike with Guardians, where I actually already had a connection as a comic book reader to several of the characters that he chose to put on his Guardians team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it, I'm still probably going to benefit from the fact that Gunn is the director behind the story, you know, behind the Suicide Squad movie. Sure. Uh, worth noting, Viola David is back as Amanda Waller. Uh, Michael Rooker, who also has worked with James Gunn on the aforementioned Guardians, uh, Guardians movie, is also back. And his brother, Sean, is also playing a character because, you know, got a... Yeah. Right, he's got to help his family out. Yeah, basically. Um, I don't know. Yeah, like you, like you said, I don't know who this TDK person is. I, I have a vague idea of Peacemaker, um, but Blackguard. Yeah, it was like this King Sharks in there. Because you know, some of the some of the folks you would know from Suicide Squad is, is notable in here. Um, but yeah, some of those other people, and you know, Pete Davidson being in anything just gets my crawl but that's i don't don't care for him that much either but yeah it looks it looks like it might be fun i guess we'll probably end up watching it next up eventually yeah eventually uh the rocks black adam teaser trailer reveals the superheroes backstory at dc fandom so yeah there was a teaser trailer for the 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 um the, the rocks black adam movie uh that was pretty much done in just like uh in animatics for the most part and like a motion comic uh, uh, with the rock doing narration on top, kind of, I don't want to say stilted, but you know, I don't know. I'm not sure if he's fully got the gravitas of uh, black Adam, but he's doing his thing. So I, I can't really, you know, and apparently uh, along with the storyline uh, that, that, that does get narrated throughout the thing, the, the rock, wait, it says, the Rock enlisted fan artist Boss Logic to provide some excellent art to, art to, to help tell the story. Um, okay, sure. So I was about to say, my understanding is that Jim Lee did the breakdowns for that, and Boss Logic did uh, the art based off of those breakdowns. Right. So yeah. So sure. There you go. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it's a thing. The teaser's right there in the in the story, and, and it was that if you hadn't seen it from Fancon, you can go check it out uh, in the show notes. Next up, all right. Next up, uh, though the Black Adam standalone is, is still a ways away from beginning production, the film's creative team presented at Fandom a new look at its titular star at this year uh, at Fandom. And he brought along a few friends, though we already knew that Noah Centineo was going to play Adam Smasher in the film. The Rock revealed that they'll be joined by Hawkman, Dr. Fate, and Cyclone to form the JSA, the Justice Society of America. And there are some images that you can see. 
Yep, there sure is. And pretty much all those images came out of that teaser trailer, the aforementioned teaser trailer. Uh, Shazam 2 reveals its full title and a surprising cast member. So, yeah, the Shazam, Shazam 2 is going to be called Shazam Fury of the Gods. Um, but one amusing note is that uh, Sinbad, yes, that Sinbad, the comedian, um, uh, it has a role in the movie, which is a pretty, there's a, there's a running joke um, uh, about that because having to do with, um, uh, 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 Sinbad doing a movie where he was a genie and misconstrued into something else and also has nothing to do with the Kazam movie that Chuck did but who also played a, a genie uh, that gets, also gets conflated with each other but so yeah there we go it's a one big meta joke haha uh, but hey there you go She's, uh, Sinbad's in a movie or in another movie that's not Jingle All The Way yeah <laughs> If y'all know that one, you have to be of a certain vengeance to know that one, I suppose. Anyway, next up. All right. So uh, prolific filmmaker Reginald Hudlin has confirmed that a live action static shock movie is in development. The electrifying, oh, with the puns, combatant static shock hails from its eponymous uh, publications by Milestone Comics. Milestone Media was founded by a group of African-American artists, including Joanne McDuffie, Dennis Cowan, Michael Davis, and Derek T. Dingle. In 1993, with the mandate of addressing the underrepresentation of racial minorities in superhero franchises. Um, the company's comics were published and distributed by DC, and of them all, one title in particular, Static Shock, was the most successful. It spawned a cartoon. That's re- uh, you know, I think that's one of the lasting legacies of it. Pretty much. And, and Static Shock has shown up on like Young Justice and, and um, Justice League also. But yeah, definitely uh, having, you know, that Static Shark cartoon is still, which is on DC Universe, uh, and probably will end up on HBO Max at some point. Who even knows? But um, yeah, yeah, Static Shark was uh, was meant a lot to a bunch of folks, including myself. So cool, uh, live action Static Shark movie. Uh, they they better get Phil Lamar for that for something. That's all I'm saying. Next up. Um, uh yeah, Zack Snyder's Justice League trailer is officially here, having been leaked before uh, DC Fandom uh happened. But we finally get the trailer for his the Snyder Cut. Uh, and as I've said before, there is no, no way that he had all of this worked out. You know. Like, yeah, sure, some of that stuff was in post-production and all that, but everything that was shown in the, in the trailer, personally, like, there's no way he had all his all of that worked out um, during the course of his dealings with the, the, the Justice League movie because there was a lot in there. Like, it doesn't matter whether it was done or not. It has nothing to do with it. I feel like he's added some stuff that, that like, oh, well, now I got time to do it. I can just add the stuff. I don't know. I, I he Maybe he did have all of the stuff later, but it just, it just seems it just seems... Like it pretty much, and, and a couple of things, it seemed like it also gave away the whole movie. And granted, we've seen the movie already, so a version of the movie already, but uh, it, there's a lot in this thing. Anyway, did you watch this? Yeah, I did. Lots of edges, lots of metal. <laughs> it's very Zack Snyder. 
you know, we're waiting for someone to yell out, this is Sparta! Yeah, I mean, I have to say it. I mean, I actually have a clip of this, if I could just find it. Um, you know, bear with, brother. Uh, it's not a sound effect that I get, to, I get to break out all the time. You know, oh, here we go. This is Sparta! You know, I have expected to hear that during the trailer. Yeah, and it's fine because that movie in itself was also had some problem, like, problem things with it. But anyway, uh, so yeah, it's out there. The Snyder Cut trailer is out there, and you pretty much, I feel like everything is added is being shown in the movie, which uh, that's probably a problem in itself because like, give leave something to the imagination. Um, but yeah, it's out there, folks. It's still a thing that's happening despite it not needing to. Next up, you know, God forbid Roddy Cat tries to uh, condense these two stories because he would rather have me talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League uh, cut as well. I love the uh, torture. What's that? I love the torture. Right. One of the chief differences between the original Justice League and the forthcoming Snyder cut is the orientation towards an adult demographic, quote unquote. This, according to Zack Snyder himself, what would he know about addressing an adult demographic? During Saturday's DC fan, shots fired, people. Shots fired. Uh, During DC's fandom on Saturday, Snyder released the trailer for his cut of the movie, and... um, which makes changes from the 2017 release he didn't get to see through to the end. This led to some speculation about what the differences will be between the original Justice League and the much-hyped Snyder Cut coming to HBO Max in 2021. So, um, yeah, you know, just more adult-oriented. Oriented, so, come on. Let's put some air quotes on that, because I kind of wonder. <laughs> you know? Like, adult, quote-unquote. Like, okay, just get, get out your own ass. Anyway... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is what it is. New Batman movie will let you personally kill Robin. So this is old news, but I just saw this trailer like recently. Uh, apparently they are doing Death in the uh, Death in the Family as a animated uh, movie. Uh, I don't know when it's coming out, but um. Uh, not only is it coming out, but um, and I don't know they they mentioned Black Mirror, Bandersnatch, and whatever. But let's face it, um, choose your own adventure stuff has been going on way long for that. However, in this media, sure, whatever. So uh, just like those aforementioned things, that this movie is going to let you do the same thing that the original Death of uh, Death in the Family storyline did, and that's choose whether Robin lives or dies amongst other things, if I'm not mistaken. So it's going to have interactive elements and a branching storyline. Uh, there's a, there's a Minecraft thing that also did that, but that's all. Uh, Telltale games have been doing this for a couple of years, for, for you years now, uh, folks. So this is nothing new one way or another, but in this medium, like I said, thing like this kind of still get played, which is still cool, by the way. I'm not, I don't want to give it short shrift. You know, like a lot of people talked about the, the, the Black Mirror episode, you know, and there's a couple other things on Netflix that's that's got the interactive elements that are that are kind of pretty cool. Uh, I personally love choose your own adventure stuff, so I'm not saying I'm not going to watch this and get a kick out of doing the the things, but it's a thing. Uh, but it also says that the short film would also reunite much of the voice cast of Batman Under the Red Hood, uh, one of WDB Animation's best received. DC, really. DC animated films, which just celebrated its 10 year anniversary. I don't remember it being that celebrated, but all right, if you say so. 
<laughs> uh, the trailer hints at some major deviations from the DC canon, depending on those churches, depend, uh, including Jason in his traditional role as a resurrected villain, the Red Hood, also as Red Robin, and as a version of Hush. Hush. So there you go, folks. Uh, mm-hmm. Whenever that comes out, it'll be there. Next up. On Monday, Deadline reported that a new Powerpuff Girls show is in the works at the CW. But unlike the original cartoon, the new series will be live action and follow Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup through their 20s. The series comes from Greg Berlanti, of course, co-creator of the Arrowverse shows at the CW, Diablo Cody, who wrote Juno, and Heather Regnier, uh, who wrote... Uh, who's a writer of Veronica Mars will write for the show. Okay. Yeah, I'll, this is also coming off the fact that there's a, I think there's a currently running Powerpuff Girls show, which is also, you know, the, and that's also the original version that's also still out there for people to watch. Also, I don't know if we need this. As uh, there's articles about that, also, I'm not sure if we need this, but sure, it's going to happen one way or another, and Berlanti's going to get that money. Uh, Star Trek, last but not least in the cinematic corner, uh, Star Trek Discovery, one day at a time to air on CBS this fall as networks pushes originals. So yes, the CBS all access show, um, um, uh, Star Trek Discovery and also the Netflix show one day at a time are both actually going to see some, um, see some actual network time. Not unlike stuff that's going on with the CW, uh, coincidentally, not coincidentally because they're all you know whatever. But um, so yeah, uh, and some other stuff. But those two of note in the comic book corner, or at least at least the one in the uh, as far as Star Trek is concerned, uh, it's going to see um, yeah, going to see some network play. Next up, uh, we are going into the comic book news. We have some, we have some uh, spillover. Well, yeah, that you, was the Star Trek one. No, uh, or is this comic book stuff? That's comic book stuff. Yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. All right, so uh, we're going to transition into comic book news. Nicely done. I wish we had some actual news on that front. But, um, beat the new Marvel Mutant Weirdo and X-Men 11 preview. We've already talked about X-Men 11, so we don't necessarily need to go over that. But Araco shows up in the beginning of the thing, and yes. Next. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. It's the Summoner uh, from the Swordbearers of Araco. Excuse me, let me get that right. Next okay. up. Uh, apparently, um, the X-Men shattered. God. I don't think Marvel's this counts. Direction record. This is just not a real article. It kind of um, isn't, but I put it in here just to, just to, just to say that because it's not so, really. Well, go into it. We'll get we'll get into it. Yeah, I mean, apparently, you know, and this is referring to Marauders. Uh, was it number eleven? I believe yeah. it was mm-hmm. uh, from from last week or the week before, talking about how many times it took to resurrect uh, Kate Pride after her death. Um, you know, essentially after eighteen attempts. Uh, Shadowcat may have just broken a Marvel record to become the character with the most resurrections. I mean, except that that's not because she only been actually resurrected once. There have been eighteen attempts, which doesn't count. Right. 
So CBR has been doing some like, caveat. We know somebody who works with CBR and, you know, just has nothing to do with them or that. But, you know, look, we can talk about it because we, we're not, you know, <laughs> just because we know somebody who, who works for them doesn't mean we have to, we're, we're you know, we're ingrained to them. But like, CBR has been doing some weird writing lately. <laughs> There's been a whole lot of stuff about uh, um, the anatomies of uh, comic book characters. I don't know if you've seen those articles. No, I haven't. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's fine. I didn't read any of them myself, but I just noticed they were out there. I'm like, what is going on, CPR? So what is what are you even doing? Anyway, so yeah, this is like like eight to seven said, this is kind of a non article and not necessarily I guess not technically true because like yeah, eighteen number tenths don't necessarily make an actual resurrection. Mm-hmm. Unless Hickman or somebody says that it does, but I, even then I still would go against it. Next up uh, a very huge storm story coming in 2021 from the X-Men line. Uh, storm of the X-Men may be facing down some big developments in the coming months. Started with September 16th, giant size X-Men storm number one from Hickman and uh, Russell Dalderman. Uh, and now X-Men line editor, Jordan D white is opening up about what fans of the mutant mistress of the weather can expect as storms storm saga ramps up. Um, there is a lot going on with Storm. First off, I don't want to spoil anything from Giant Size X-Men. This is the Storm number one. So that'll be the place you should check out. And then, the, so uh, the rest of this is pretty much going on on, on that and what Storm's dealing with. And uh, um, also uh, bringing up um, Marauders number 13, in which Storm's going to have a, a, a big movement, a big moment in. So... There we go. Some stuff coming up for Storm. I'm with mm-hmm. it. Next up. All right. Next up is uh, the X-Men's, the X-Men line's first crossover of the Dawn of X era is about to kick off in Ten of Swords, X of Swords, Creation Number 1 by writer Jonathan Hickman and artist Pepe Larraz, which provides some backstory and lead up for the tarot-themed sword-wielding X-Men event. Okay. Cool. Uh, um, yeah, you can follow this article over at uh, Newsarama. Mm-hmm. Group editor, X Men group editor Jordan D. White uh, talks about what's ahead. Yeah, we're assuming all of this came out in that one in the one end interview that they just broke up into you know content. Next up. Captain Marvel's Cosmic Avengers show how powerful they really are. And this is a spoiler for Captain Marvel 19, which I think you read. Did you not? I did. Um, and it says here uh, in Captain in Kelly Thompson and Corey Smith's Captain Marvel number 20, Carol Danvers' new Cosmic Avengers go on a search for answers and show how powerful they really are. So, yeah, um, amidst the Empire event, Carol Danvers was given a new role by Hulkling, Hulkling, the new emperor of the Kariskolo Alliance. Uh, after being given running the accuser's hammer or some version of it, the universal weapon, oh, I guess it is his. Um, Carol was named the new Kree Supreme Accuser. Uh, her first mission was to travel to a planet where that was once a home city to where both Kree scrolls left in harmony uh, and things happened over there. And she also takes some folks with her, including, was that War Machine? And I don't know who this other person is. Oh, Spider Woman and Hazmat. Mm. Yes, and hazmat. Yes, um, and also has something to do with her. Has says to L'Oreal because she's worth it. Next up, um, 
there is a spoiler alert. This is a spoiler alert here um, for what happened in Thor number six. Um, there is a vision, a terrifying vision of the Marvel Universe's future in Thor number six. Thor sees a new villainous wielder from Mjolnir now fitted with cosmic upgrades to make it even more powerful. Um, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert for anyone who's not reading Thor. So I guess it's supposed to be Thanos that we're looking at who's wielding Mjolnir with uh, the Infinity Stones embedded within uh, Mjolnir. So that, that that's pretty kind of scary. <laughs> that's pretty kind of scary. It's pretty scary. Pretty much. So, uh, you know, we'll see where this story goes. And according to PCN underscore Dirt, who uh, let us know today that uh, they are quickly coming out with a second printing of this book with a variant cover. Hmm. You know, which intent, which which implies that this is somewhat important. You know, I guess people have really ordered heavy. You know, my speculation is that this is driven by you know, no pun intended, speculators who think that Cates is going to be put uh, churning out some more uh, characters, new characters, and first appearances of characters, and uh, you know, make some money off that the way they did with uh, some of the black, uh, what's call it, the. Um, uh, what's the Black King's name? I forget from from Venom. No, no, no right. You know, um, and uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider. So mm. we'll see how that goes in the pages of Thor. Sure. Uh, new text. So we kind of sort of talked about this already, but uh, but I don't know why. Yeah, we talked about it. it when it was supposed to be released. Right. Um, so, new Taskmaster title kills Maria Hill and rocks the ex, uh, Marvel espionage world to its core. Except for, I believe, there's a spoiler in there that that would go against that, which we, I think we actually speculated then. Um, yep. But if, obviously, the Taskmaster is going to be in the Black Widow movie, so therefore, they're going to win a book to kind of you know give him some shine before then. That's you, you hate to be cynical about it, but that's actually what it is. Um, but it says here, Maria Hill is dead and the Taskmaster appears to be responsible. But did he really commit the crime? That's the question at the heart of writer Jet McKay and Artisa Alessandro Vidi's upcoming Taskmaster miniseries, uh, limited series that pits the Skullface mercenary against Marvel's espionage community with life or death stakes. Except for probably not really. Um, but Taskmaster has his work cut out for him with Coulson and the uh, Squadron Supreme. Hey, remember them folks? White Fox and more gunning for him as he tries to solve the mystery of the of a murder he may or may not have committed. Um so yeah. That's the thing that's coming. Next up. All right. Uh Star Wars confirms. I love it. Yoda did turn to the dark side and almost became the most powerful Sith Lord. Turn to the dark side, I did. For just the briefest of moments, the entire Star Wars universe came perilously close to possible annihilation by the dark side of the Force, but not by Emperor Palpatine or even Darth Vader himself. This would have come at the hands of someone even more powerful and unexpected, Yoda. Yoda's clash with the dark side is revealed in 2004's Star Wars Yoda Dark Rendezvous, which is now a part of the expanded universe and thus non-canonical. Okay. So what's the point of this? If this is not canonical, are they going to bring it back? It's possible, but I think you know, some, I think they just brought it up just to brought it up, just to bring it up. I don't know if there's any actual. 
reason to bring this up at this or think they're going to bring this up as or maybe I guess it's speculation here and something about the Mandalorian and, and the and the baby Yoda might have something to do with it. I don't got know. it. Who knows? Probably nothing. Darth Vader's uh, ultimate defense uh, was defeated by spoiler. So yeah, this is from uh, Darth Vader number uh, four, which we talked about last week. We I can't remember which one it is at this point. But basically, um, he had the high ground, and it didn't actually go the way that it should have. <laughs> uh, thanks to some quick thinking by uh, the Sabi, Sabi and the, the folks there. So yeah, there you go. Didn't necessarily work out for him. Next up. Uh, Star Wars Hasbro reveals new Rogue One and Jedi Fallen Order figures. Um, these collectibles will be hitting stores in fall 2020. Um, the figures cater to Star Wars fans of all tastes, whether you prefer the classic three and three quarter inch line, the modern black series line, or even full size replicas. Okay, there is a slideshow gallery in the article. Featuring everything Hasbro revealed during its latest Fan First Friday live stream. Hmm. Uh, I will take this note. This time to note that both Agent uh, Seventy and I got our, the last of our two figures that we have. He has his Ahsoka, which I didn't get, and I have my Hera. Uh, I would show it to you, but my camera's acting up, and I'm not messing with it right now because I would probably have to get off Skype. So. Yeah. Uh, I was about to say, mine's downstairs. I don't feel like going downstairs. Yeah, no, nah, that's fine. But yeah, that's the thing, folks. Uh, Hasbro Star Wars reveals new Cad Bane Black Series figure available now in Europe and in the U.S. on October the 1st. Uh, so, yeah, this is a, a Cad Bane figure from, uh, you know him from uh, Clone Wars, uh, Bounty Hunter, uh, you know, you know the guy. Uh, also comes with a little droid friend um, whose name is escaping me at the moment. Uh, to do, to do, a uh, Toto, a uh, to do. I guess okay. I guess they call him Toto, which but it looks like to do. Anyway, it's a two pack, and they come together, and uh, it'll be for X amount of money, and coming to the U.S. in October. I might actually get one of these if I can. Next up. All right. Uh, what are we up to? Classic Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Classic Star Wars games get new collector's editions available to pre-order soon. Fans of old school Star Wars games will want to keep close tabs on limited run games tomorrow or this week. The video game distributor will be selling two waves of pre-orders for standard and collector's editions of Star Wars X-Wing. Wow. And Star Wars TIE Fighter for PC. The first batch goes live. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. We've already missed those dates. Um, it's uh, unclear how much the standard physical editions cost, but each of the very cool collector's edi- editions is $65. Okay. Yeah. I like playing these games back in Yeah, the those are good games, and that Star Wars Squadrons game is pretty much a, a spiritual successor of it. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, we did definitely miss it, and that $65 version definitely got sold out by now. Because yeah. I, uh, I think the day that it happened, and I checked the, 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 um, the listing, it was gone. And I think they still like had, yeah, all of them are gone now. So if you can see here, oh wait, is this it? So if you're watching the video, you can see what they had to offer. And they basically had, um, you know, boxes look like the old Kenner Star Wars boxes with the figures in them. Mm-hmm. So all the, the the stuff that looks like that. And they had, they, Limited Run does some pretty good stuff. So you, you see a lot of stuff that looks like the, the pegboard um, um, figure stuff. It's cool. But all of it sold out at this point, including the big stuff that had all of it. 
So, I mean, you can still get the games digitally somewhere. So, especially on GOG, if you're so inclined. But if you like physical copies of stuff, Limited Run does a lot of uh, runs of things. So, sorry you missed it. Next up, uh, Star Wars Jedi uh, Fallen Order is heavily discounted for PC. So, for anyone who cared to play that game and hasn't by now, uh, I believe it is still like 30 bucks or something. Um, yeah, 30 bucks on Steam. I think it's still that price now. I'm not sure. Nope, it went back up. So you missed that too. So this is a non, <laughs> this is also a non article. So never mind, folks. It's gone. Next up. All right. Uh, in more video game news, um, the Miles Morales Spider-Man game might just have the weirdest, coolest take on Spider-Sense yet. So apparently, uh, long story short, um, technically in this game, Miles doesn't have Spider-Sense. The player does. Sony revealed a few more tiny details about the upcoming PlayStation 5, specifically its fancy schmancy new controller, the PlayStation DualSense. Aside from looking like a banana from outer space, is that you or the article? That's the article. That's the article. I mean, the PlayStation controller kind of always has looked like that. All right. The DualSense has a bunch of features built in to make playing games with it more a more involved experience, some of which were detailed um, by PlayStation, including this haptic feedback technology that lets developers program which part of the controller vibrates and with what intensity to match the action going on in the game. Okay. Yeah, specifically the PS3 controller was definitely kind of like a boomerang. The the, the some some professional called it a batarang, but also could look, could look like a b- banana. But so yeah, so basically it looks like the the, the spider sense and stuff is going to be partially in the controller, uh, which I guess could be kind of neat. Um, yeah. Next up, um, another hero is joining Marvel's Avengers post launch, which I come to find out that Marvel's hero, uh, Marvel's Avengers is not actually called War Table, but War Table is the series of um, live streams that they've been doing. So that was my fault for mis- misconstruing that. Regardless, um, I think Hawkeye is the next one out of the slate, which has been uh, rumored in the past, and I think I'm pretty sure we talked about. Mm-hmm. But it says here that um, let's see. Spider-Man was announced as a PS4 exclusive, PS4, PS5 exclusive, which is true. Um, It was also reported that Hawkeye would join the Avengers in a free post-game launch update in a version uh, of the character that is from Fraction and Ahasuerun, which we've also talked about. But... Crystal Dynamic and Chris Williams has given no clues as to what hero will join the impressive cast of heroes. Um, it looks like beta, the files from the beta point to either She-Hulk and or Kate Bishop as DLC characters, which I'm not, wouldn't be surprised about either one of those, specifically the Kate Bishop because of Hawkeye's already in it. Mm-hmm. So, and also she's got a TV, you know, she's going to be on TV at some point, or at least on Disney Plus. That is also true. Uh, but there's another war table that's coming up right before the game uh, officially launches on September 4th, uh, which we'll, I guess we'll find out who the person actually will be. Next up. All righty, next up. Fortnite's newest season has Epic and Marvel teaming up to bring some of the biggest heroes and villains from the Marvel Universe to the Fortnite island to fight in the Nexus War. So uh, what's that? So stupid. 
I mean, yeah, so that is true. Fortnite, yeah, unlike most Fortnite seasons, this one comes with backstory for the entire theme and season. Galactus, the devourer of worlds and one of the Marvel Universe's most powerful villains, is heading to the Fortnite island intent on consuming it. Just the island? That's just a snack. Uh, and right. Thor has gathered a team of heroes and villains to stop them. This is where the season's launch trailer picks up, introducing us to each of the Marvel characters that will be joining Fortnite this season. Okay. And, of course, with a little bit of synergy, synergy becomes um, uh, the aforementioned, at least to uh, Agent 70 before the show, the Fortnite Times Marvel crossover uh, issue that you can find at Comixology right now, or it's probably on Comics uh, Marvel Unlimited also. But it's also free, so you can check that out um, if you so choose. And they even got different... They, they really was like, hey, we, if you want to read this book, we got flavors of languages for you to read. <laughs> so, because they really want folks to read this, apparently. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. Next up, though, um, Seagate and Marvel team up to uh, to to put out some officially licensed Marvel Avengers limited edition game drives for PS4. So it's basically uh, external drives with um, with uh, Marvel characters on it uh, that you can, if you want to sign up and get for your own self, sure, go for it. It's two ter- two terabytes. This holds over 50 games. That's give or take because two terabytes can go either way with games and compatible with PS4 and 5. Next up. Next up, while it has been a few years, there is now a new Batman game on the way at the DC Fandom event. We got our first look at the long-rumored Gotham Knights, which looks to channel the spirit of the beloved Arkham games. The new title will be launching in 2021. Gameplay footage from the game was shown at Fandom. The new game is being developed by WB Games Montreal, Montreal, while the Arkham series was started by Rocksteady Studio, um, Steady Rockin' All Night Long. The Montreal studio picked up the series with 2013's Arkham Origins. Uh, I did see... Um, the trailer for this, it's interesting. It has an interesting premise. Yeah. Uh, we will get to part of that in a little bit, but yeah, but yeah, it does definitely look good. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this game. Um, cause it's, yeah, it looks, it looks good. Um, uh, anyway, uh, I was going to say, take this next one. All right. Uh, WB, WB Montreal revealed the first look at Gotham Knights. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. As part of the much anticipated, it's late, folks, anticipated DC fandom, and it did not disappoint. The studio revealed not only the first gameplay footage of the game, but also who the heroes would be facing, which turned out to be the cult, the court of our, the court of owl. I want to say the cult of owls. I mean, kind of. Right. The court of owls, though there may be more to it than that. They also revealed the playable heroes that you can control in the game. Uh, that's my understanding is that it's uh, Nightwing, Robin, Batgirl, and the Red Hood. That is correct. Um, because Batman's dead. Uh, also, there I think there was some there was some uh, Mister Freeze also showed up in that trailer. So there will probably be, so not only is it the Court of Owls, but there's probably going to be some other villains uh, like Mister Freeze. Uh, and speaking of, actually, take this next one, please. <laughs> 
God, you're killing me with this video game stuff. <laughs> it's been a long time coming, but after many rumors and teases, the next Batman video game uh, was revealed, as I said earlier, Gotham Knights. Um, it turns out that uh, the voice behind Mr. Negative in the Spider-Man PlayStation game is playing Gotham Knights Red Hood. What's his name? It's, uh, Stephen O. Young. Thank you, Stephen O. Young. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, cool. Uh, so next up, I will take these next three uh, because we're still in the video game corner uh, at this point. Uh, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League will be four-player co-op. So Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League is another game that was announced at uh, DC FanDome. Um, and also another good-looking game. This particular one uh, uh, is being done by the aforementioned Rocksteady, Rocksteady Games of that of uh the arkham series fame um and it's like it says it's going to be four player co-ops and uh i believe the characters there are harley quinn uh harley quinn captain boomerang but it's boomerang's son the one with the speed um uh bloodshot and king shark i believe were all in that uh the, the trailer it's a good looking trailer you should check it out I watched it. It's good. It's yeah. it's very movie esque, which is really you know. Yes, there's that is also that. You know, it's it, it's really kind of disconcerting watching it and, and thinking that it's actually uh, you know possibly an animated film. Obviously, it's an animated short for the for the uh, for the video game, but still, it's it's pretty you know it's pretty well done and, and seems very cinematic. Yeah, and if uh, if the the title of the game did not evoke anything, yes, the bad guys of the game are the Justice League, who look like they've seemingly been taken over by, um, uh, um, Brainiac. Brainiac, thank you. I don't know why I was having trouble <laughs> um, thinking of that name. So yeah. Check that trailer out. It's pretty good. But next up, um, Suicide Squad killed the Justice League set in Batman Arkham Universe, which some people have a problem with for some strange reason, but it doesn't make any kind of difference because Batman is dead in that Gotham Knights um, uh, game. So it doesn't, it shouldn't matter whether, whether it's set in the same universe or not. And also multiverse people, come on. Anyway, so yeah, so apparently Suicide the Silver Sky game is in the Arkham universe, uh, whereas the uh, Gotham Knights game is not. Right, it's something completely different. Right, and that's and partly there's also partially because one Rocksteady, you know, Rocksteady had already been trying to get away from doing Batman games, like and the Suicide Squad game had been rumored for a good while, including a Superman game. So I guess the two kind of came together. I didn't think about it, but um, so this is them kind of going away from the Batman thing, but staying in the same universe. Whereas WB is like, no, we want more money, so we want another Batman game, and that's where God, uh, that's where pretty much Arkham Knight and a couple other side games came from that Rocksteady didn't do, and this Gotham Knights game, um, yeah, you know, in, in tandem. But hey, like I said, Gotham Knights looks pretty good. Next up, though, um, WWE Samoa Joe voices King Shark in the Suicide Squad killed the Justice League game. So there you go for you wrestling fans. Samoa Joe, also a big, uh, I'm saying, also a video game, video game in his own right, um, along with uh, Xavier Woods, from what I understand. So, 
but yeah, there you go. Samoa Joe, King Shark, run with it. All right. Next up. So, mild spoiler alert, we are back in the comic book corner. In The Flash, number 759, Barry Allen is out of commission. And Eobard Thawne, the reverse Flash, is in control of his body. This has caused some significant problems for the Flash family, who don't know what's going on. So, um... Uh, Weirdly, uh, I mean, granted, this is that's nothing new under the sun, but it's like when I first saw that, and I was like, okay, so it's like that uh, Spider-Man storyline where Superior kind of before Superior came into being, but not Mm -hmm. actually, yes, kind of really. Right. Uh, Okay. So, what is the status of a classic DC speedster? I have to open the article. Uh, so apparently, let's see, um, Barry and Allen is a college commission. Bart Allen runs into the flash and realizes that's not him. Uh, that is not Barry and sets out to confront him, uh, and telling everybody else about it. Uh, Barry Allen is still within his own mind, I guess, or, or, or trying oh, to find it's him. About John, it's about Johnny Quick. Right. Basically. And meets up with, uh, Jesse Quick and, and Max Mercury's. Well, yeah, just quick at Max Mercury. Um, and yeah, apparently something happened to Jesse Quick or to Johnny Quick, rather, and find out that gets found out in the course of this. Okay. Uh, next up, Legion of Superheroes confirms spoiler is Superman's descendant. So basically, uh, this is a spoiler for Legion of Superheroes number eight, which is pretty much already out. And apparently, Mon L is descendant from John Kent's Superboy or Superman, if I read that right. So that's a retcon. And yeah, there you go. You're yeah, I was about to say Mon L is supposed to be like a, a wasn't he a Daxamite? He's a da- yeah, he's a Daxamite, classically. I mean, that doesn't mean that it still couldn't be the case somehow, but, you know, but, yeah. Right. I mean, because, you know, uh, Kryptonians and Dexamites are pretty much cousins anyway, so some, you know, some happened. Regardless, yeah, so he's officially, so which means that this is, he's officially part of the Superman lineage thanks to, uh, wait, Bendis is writing his book, so there you go, you, got, you can blame Bendis for that. Next up. Mm. Talk about trying to streamline things, huh? Yeah, I guess so. All right. Uh, all right. So apparently, though. the Red Hood Outlaw era has officially is is going to officially come to an end this November, as a new creative team on the book prepares to take over the solo adventures of Jason Todd for November's Red Hood, simply titled Red Hood Number Fifty One. It's written by Sean Martinbro um, and illustrated by Tony Akins, um, and it's the beginning of a new era for the Red Hood. And uh, no disrespect to these creators, but yeah i don't know either um move right along batman and wonder woman suit up for cold weather in endless winter um bit a bit a bit so batman and wonder woman are the stars of the new teasers for dc's upcoming december 2020 debuting stupid autoplaying thing um dc's upcoming december 2020 debuting event endless winter uh, these two full blade page teasers appear in this week's DC Connect, which I can't find to download, by the way. Um, DC's monthly catalog for retailers to order. Okay, so I guess they must have put them out to everybody else like later or something because, yeah. Anyway, 
Uh, the appearance of Batman and Wonder Woman seemed to corroborate what Newsarama has reported previously. Uh, Endless Winter is a Justice League-centric event. So, sure. Next up. Screenwriter John Ridley, who's written uh, 12 Years a Slave, Gorilla, and American Crime, and artist Nick Darrington, uh, will be the creative team for a new four-issue Batman limited series to launch in January 2021. The new series will coexist uh, with the current Batman series by James Tinney IV and Jorge Jimenez. DC announced the news during its DC fandom, where Ridley joined DC publisher. And chief executive, chief creative officer, that is, Jim Lee on the legacy of the Bat Panel. Um, during the panel, Ridley commented, I think it's a pretty safe bet that if I'm writing Batman, it's probably a little better than a 40% chance he's going to be a person of color. He also stated that his series would center on the family of Lucius Fox, the business manager of Wayne Enterprises, who is black. Ridley has written several series for DC, although this will be his first time writing a Batman story. So uh, my understanding, this is supposed to be Luke Fox, right. possibly over the role of Batman at some point, either now or in the future. Right. Uh, what was his name uh, previously? Was it Black Bat? No, it wasn't Black Bat. What was, what was his... Uh, oh, Wing. He was Batwing at one point? Yes. Okay, there we go. Cause I, I was like, it couldn't be Batwing because it's that's Nightwing. But yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, oh, he took he took the name Batwing, where he was kind of flying a Batman Beyond type suit. Right. So, so there you go. There's that. Um, but another big news, uh, and going back to something that we talked about in the cinematic news, uh, Milestone returns to DC Comics scheduled with a heavy digital component. So Milestone, the pioneering Black-owned comics imprint that created a universe of Black superheroes, including Static Shock, is coming back with new series featuring their original characters. Uh, DC, which published Milestone Comics under an agreement with the company made uh, the announcement during this DC Fandom event on August 21st. And I must I think that was probably after I had checked out of DC Fandom, probably at that Legacy of the Bat concert uh, 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 thing. But I think that stuff is still out there regardless. Milestone partner and producer Reggie Hudlin, co-founder Dennis Cowan, and Static Shock voice actor Phil Nomar joined DC publisher and creative uh, chief creative officer Jim Lee for the panel. Uh, Milestone will kick off we're kicking things off in February 2021 with a new Static Shock series that will be published digitally. Boo. Uh, in addition, Hudlin will team up with artist uh, Kyle Baker to create an original Static Shock graphic novel, and Hudlin will also write a new Icon and Rocket series with art by Cowan. Uh, DC will also publish older Milestone comics digitally. Boo again. And also during the September 12th fandom event because yes there is another one they will offer a 12 uh, excuse me a 17 page digital sampler milestone returns for free for 24 hours the sampler written by hudlin and greg pock will be a primer on the original milestone characters including static shock icon rocket and duo uh cowan and chris sotomayor will do the cover and contributing artists will include uh cowan jim lee ryan benjamin koi fam scott Hanna. Bill Sinkovich, Don Ho, not that Don Ho, uh, Alex Sinclair, and Darren Bennett. 
Uh, and during the same 24-hour period, DC will offer several older milestone titles digitally for free also, including Static Shocks 1 and 2, Zombie 1 and 2, Hardware, The Man and the Machine, uh, Icon, and a version, another version, two versions of Icon. So look out for that uh, September 12th. Uh, and we will probably be talking about it around the time, I would imagine. So cool mm-hmm. that my milestone's coming back. Kind of wish they did do some physical though. What I was going to add to that is, if enough people raise a stink about it, they probably will publish it. Hopefully, because it's essentially what happened with the uh, the pandemic books. I think that's slightly different, but yes, I yeah, you're you're probably right. Um, you know, I mean, of course it's different, but in in the sense that they had initially not planned on putting out paper copies of these comics instead uh, would just put out digital and then follow up with um, including these copies in the uh, future trade paperbacks of that, sure. you know, of whichever series they just relented. Ultimately, I think if enough people make us think about not having these books in paper form, I think they will eventually get published. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see if that happens. I hadn't really seen too much of that. And I, I and usually as it goes, the, the, the pre- people who probably had an issue uh, with, you know, with uh, with the same people are not going to be uh, all up in arms about this as they did with the, the other thing, I suspect, for reasons. I'm hoping I'm wrong about that, but this is kind of the way the world works, especially in comics. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. if you're upset about that, you know, make us think. No, don't don't be stupid about it, but just kind of say, hey, DC, you know, what's up with this? Exactly. You know. Uh, but last but not least, because there is another story, and the only reason why I'm putting this in here because I don't want to put it in next week, uh, going back to the cinematic version, uh, so Zack Snyder reveals HBO Max will release Justice League as four episodes. No, no. So the Snyder Cut is going to be cut in four, which is pr- and probably going to be metered out like by a week or something if, if, they, if they're doing, doing this. So it says a single cut of the four episodes will then... Oh, wait. Okay. No, no, no. So at DC's uh, DC FanDome, the Snyder Cut's... The Snyder Cut of Just League's panel, Snyder revealed that HBO Max will split the release of his cut into four one-hour episodes. A single cut of the four episodes uh, will then later be released. That's... <laughs> so, so basically, if I'm reading this right, they're, they're going to be like, Okay, you're gonna get the Snyder Cut, but you're getting it in pieces first, right. and then and the then, movie put together is gonna to get put. Uh, it's gonna as a whole is gonna be get put out. That's some funny shit. That's way funnier than I, than I, than I saw when I looked at this. Uh, um, that's amazingly and terrible. But you know what? Yeah. They wanted this, so good on them for this. Right. <laughs> I hope Snyder, I hope the the people who won this are are severely mad, and I hope they stay mad. That's funny. Anyway, it's still coming out, so they still got what they want, so it doesn't really matter. Which means if it's four, so that means the Snyder cut is four hours, though. Yeah, I know, but that's that's freaking. But then again, if you saw that trailer, that makes sense because that's just ridiculous. Anyway, we are at the end of the news, folks, for tonight. Uh, we got one more ad read before we bounce out of here. Our last ad read of the night is for Blue Apron. Blue Apron's meal delivery service has fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. 
Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron, always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. So place your first order with $30 off. And to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And as I transition to a shot of uh, Agent 70, uh, a close-up of Agent 70, because my shot's still not working, um, thank you, folks, for coming out tonight. It's been a blast, as always. Uh, We will be back next week. Uh, Same bad time, same bad channel. Probably 9.30 on Thursday nights on the Click Nation's YouTube channel. But... Until then, I am Roddy Cat. You can find me at Roddy Cat at uh, that on Twitter. Excuse me. You can also find me at Newsers Need on Twitter. You can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Eighteen underscore seventy. You can find on Twitter and Instagram. Doing you can it check for the out the latest curated Marvel Legends displays on Insta. Indeed, doing it for the gram. And by the way, the bottom shot. So the the shot you're seeing, folks, if you're watching the video. Is the big shot is him, obviously, but the the uh, the little shot is weirdly his uh, mural over in the corner. I don't know why. <laughs> so it's he's it's got a little it's got a little um, shot of your corner over your shoulder a little bit. So that's kind of a funky effect. Uh, anyway, um, PC underscore dirt on Twitter, uh, Pop Culture Net on Twitter, PopCultureNetwork dot com, and those umbrella sites there, and and also uh, Bytes where he's doing some stuff. Uh, uh, under comic reviews, no vowels. So can't be on the show, but he's got time for his own. Let me stop. I'm, let me stop picking on him. I'm gonna stop that. That's not nice. Um, Tim D O G G nine eight on Twitter. The Osiris that is ish. Um, the Click Nation also on Twitter. CB Cron on Twitter, um, which is of course the Comic Book Chronicles um, um, Twitter account. Uh, com. that's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N all one word and of course comic book resources where he's writing his face off again folks we'll be back next week but you will find until then you can find this here podcast on the Cole Slither Podcast Network CESPN.us do it today you can also find us at your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be um, Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Coastal of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Yep, we'll be back. More comics, more news, more, more, more shenanigans. Probably no more Tories because I think we pretty much got everything we were going to get at, at this point. Wrong. We're oh wait, that's right. You still got something. That's right. You still going to have something. There's going to be some Marvel Legends coming I over totally the next about that. couple months. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, they are coming. Uh, again, I hate to keep using the term because it's overused. Fast and Furious. Ha ha. Yes, one of these days I will watch eight. Um, but yes. Until then, folks, this has been the Combat Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. I love it when a plan comes together.